It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Took the Bruins about 15 minutes to get the wake-up call, but they're wide awake now. Here's Pasternak closing. He scores! Florida once on a southern tour where I met this little redhead who was an underwater specialist. Arshon holds. Grizzlick has the puck. Hop on him. Pasternak tried to draw CC out of the geometry. The puck bounces all the way through. Bergeron scores for Arshon. Patrice Bergeron with one and two. Good game. We're getting out of this hick town. Thank God there is still a sport for middle-sized white boys. <laughs> now taking it along is Crazy. Dropped it on back and it's a shot by Pasternak. Uh, but hey, as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Hello, Bruins fans, and welcome back to my Beers and Bruins podcast, a production of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Allred, and I'm out on the studio today, February 16th, 2019, to record episode 14 here at the Lafayette Club in Amesbury, Massachusetts. You can find my Beers and Bruins show by searching for the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, which can be found on worldwide platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean for you Android listeners, SoundCloud.com, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. There are two ways you can support the show. You can buy sports tickets and concert tickets at SeatGiant.com and use promo code BNGP to save yourself a little money. You can also go to BlackAndGoldHockey.com website and click on, click on the Fanatics banner before shopping online. and We get the commission on every sale and we certainly appreciate that. Uh, the Lafayette Club is a gracious host today, so sitting with me today is Mark Ricci, and he's a proprietor over at Riverwalk Bowling Lanes, um, and he's a, a good friend of mine, uh, another diehard Bruins fan, a big sports fan. Wicked. Um, yep. Mark, can you please tell us about the Lafayette Club and the amenities that are here for all the members? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, ever since we came here six years ago and uh, reopened the bowling alley, 
I've been a part of this really cool bar in here. I'm not much of a drinker, but a lot of the guys in here are real cool dudes. Um, membership for the year, it is a member's bar. So you have to pay, it's a $35 a year membership fee, but you get that back in so many other ways. Um, the drinks are pretty cheap, all in all, all things considered. Um, membership, you can, there's pool tables, there's uh, dart boards and stuff like that. You can come in anytime. It's, it's really cool. It's like your typical small town bar. Everybody knows everybody else's name. It's a good time. It really is a good time. And with also with members, uh, you get cheaper bowling in the bowling alley too. So yeah, <laughs> membership so, has perks. Yeah, talk about the bowling alley because uh, we're not only here for the, uh, for the Lafayette Club, but we're also here for you too to, to promote. And uh, so speak away. Yeah, awesome, man. No, so um, my wife and I have been bowling since we were children. We met each other in a bowling alley. We actually got married here in the bowling alley at Riverwalk Lanes. Um, and uh, it's just a small little place, eight-lane bowling alley. It's loud. It's old. It's just like they used to make them back in the 40s. But uh, it's one of only two bowling alleys still open from that era, Candlepin Alleys. And it just screams New England. You walk in, and it's 1955 all over again. And we try to keep it that way. It's it's very retro. It's wicked old school. It's hip. You got to come check it out. That's awesome. Got to come check it out, man. And uh, the Lafayette Club and the Riverwalk Bowling Lanes are located at 11 High Street, Namesbury, Massachusetts. Uh, Mark, do you have any social media that you'd like to plug? Uh, yep. Well, you can follow us on Facebook at uh, Riverwalk Lanes. Um, our Instagram account is brand new, but we have one. <laughs> it's brand new. Um, but uh, otherwise, no, just come on in and check it out. We're always running specials for the kids. We're very, very affordable. So a uh, great place to bring the kids on a Saturday afternoon kind of thing. And then mom and dad come back for date night, Saturday night. Awesome. So it's good times. Awesome. Yeah, you guys are great people. And uh, it's been a pleasure to have me. As a member myself for, uh, I think, 18 or 20 years, something yeah, like yeah. that. Uh, it's great to have a business over there. It's actually, you know, working well and, 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 and providing a great service and, and keeping it real. You know what I mean? That's the idea. You're talking about the whole historic thing. That's yep. really cool about the whole 1950 look and so on. So There's a lot of people who've changed their things to go with the times to try to just, you know, it's not about the money for us. Right. We're, we're not doing it for the money. We're trying to keep something open that very few people have the chance to see. Keeping the dream alive. That's it, brother. Absolutely. That's Mark it. Ricci, thank you so much for taking your time today and, uh, and just you know, dropping some knowledge about the building and your, your business. So Absolutely, thank you. Marky. Thanks for having me, buddy. No problem. And we're back, and I want to thank Mark uh, Ricci. He is a club officer here and also uh, an owner of the Riverwalk Bowling Lane. So I want to thank him for, for stepping in and, and being um, on the show today. But um, what we really came for is to get together with some great people and talk some Bruins hockey, and it's about fucking time we do that. So uh, to my left is, is a long time, probably 30-odd years uh, Thorn in my side most of the time, but a really, really great friend of mine that I consider a, a family member, actually, is my friend Heather. Heather, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me, brother. Cool, cool. Um, and to, to the middle is my friend Cody. Cody was uh, a member of the team Black and Gold that was in Lycaster, Massachusetts a couple weeks ago to play in the uh, Crimson, Crimson King Ranked Tournament, which was hosted by my friend Casey and his family. Cody, thank you very much for be not only being my teammate, the ride, and a cool person, but being here today to uh, finally come on the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. I mean, for the Beers and Bruins Podcast. Thanks for the invite, and thank you for having me down there with you, and thank you to Casey for putting on an amazing event. That was awesome. Certainly was, certainly was. Um, and to my right and final uh, guest on the panel is, that my, is my good, dear friend, Mike He's a he's the grizzled veteran of the crew here, which is really cool because we have 
we have a hockey mom mm-hmm. that grew up alongside me in this in this great community of Amesbury, Massachusetts. We have a, a guy Cody that has played in the uh, in, in, in Amesbury youth hockey all the way up to high school. Yep. Uh, continues to play today. So, and uh, we also have the 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 grizzled veteran, like I said, um, in in my friend Mike. So. How's Thank it going, you. Mike? Very good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time today. No problem. Yes. Um, so I, I do have a, a whole list of topics that, a whole agenda. I got 20 of them. So we don't have to go through them all. It, it's all going to depend on timing, of course. But, um, you know, I'd like to take, a, after an hour of this, I'd like to take a break uh, for, uh, for commercial and plug a sponsor. But, um, yeah. So I'm just going to. We're gonna go through them. Just be you know, honest, and, and, and don't worry. It's a podcast, and it's just a lot of fun. So have some drinks if you need to. Quite, you know, calm down. Take a hit if you need. I don't know. You know. So, <laughs> but um, anyway. So to start, what I really want to know from all three of you guys is: at what time in your lives was the moment that you knew you'd be a Boston Bruins fan or a hockey fan, and who influenced you, whether it be a player? Or a family member. I'm really interested in hearing that. And what we're going to do is we're going to go from left to right. So I'm going to start with my friend Heather. And she's the lady, so obviously has to go first. Well, thank you. Very chivalric of you. Um, I don't know. I guess I just started watching the Bruins because that's what you did on WSBK. You watched the Bruins. And I used to watch with my grandfather. I mean, I wouldn't say my parents were so much, although my dad was from Detroit. So, of course, he was a Red Wings fan. Diehard Red Wings fan. Tried to influence me in that manner, but... I don't know, I guess I just, even when I was a little kid, I can remember having, like, my black and white static ETV <laughs> in the playroom, like, with the antenna, because You're aging I'm old us. enough, I know, all right, <laughs> I just told you how old I am. You know, I'm 21 years young, but with, you know, the cord just trying to get the Bruins in just so I could watch, especially, God forbid, if it was a Montreal-Boston game and I couldn't get it in. Yeah. I don't know, I just, I guess I always knew, and I Channel guess a lot 10. of my friends like you... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You only had to go two up, right, if you yep. didn't get lucky enough to have the cable on. Um, I guess just, too, like, I had a lot of friends like you and a lot of people I went to school with. Just This was a hockey town, so I guess I just started liking hockey because I grew up around a lot of people who liked it, and I just... I don't, also, I'm not to, but I'm a girl that likes a lot of violence, and when I was a kid, it was very violent sport, right? Like, basketball can be violent, football's violent, but, like, hockey, you'd always look, you know, want to see someone jump into a bench and punch somebody in the face. So that's just me. <laughs> That's awesome. Cody, what was your moment? Um, I would have to say Ray Bork era. Ray Bork was definitely one that I grew up and idolized, but I come from a hockey family. My grandfather played for the Amesbury Maples. and Remember I mean, the Maples, baby. I was mm-hmm. supposed to be named after a Bruins player, CJ, but I guess when I was born, my mom didn't feel like that name fit me very well, so they didn't stick with it. I've been playing since I was three years old. Nice. It's kind of been in my blood my whole life, and Ray Bork's definitely the biggest uh, Bruins icon for me. Yeah, you still got the wheels too. Yeah, I still got the tournament. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> Mr. Mike, what's up? What's not your much, moment? Not much. I don't know if a this is probably a one specific that moment. I have a year, 1983. I just remember. I started watching the Bruins on Channel 38 back then. We didn't have Nesson or all that. Cusick and Sanderson? Yeah, and, you know, it was Lindsman, Peterson, Middleton, and I just remember just after that particular year, for some reason, I saw a game against the Quebec Nordiques, and I just remember after that, I just 
got more and more into it after that. And it just became more exciting. And I like the physicalness like she did. Things are a little different now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but it, then, you know, I got into it. And then 86 came along and Cam Neely came in. And then I was like, all lights out then. I wouldn't miss a game ever. Yeah, know? I mean... That's that, that's almost like the whole Cam Neely and Ray Bork thing was almost like if you if you go back a little further in time, it's like Bobby Orr when he came to the to the city yep. and, and just really brought out a passion sport. Yep. I mean, everybody wanted to be like Bobby Orr, and rinks were freaking going and being built up at an excessive rate because of him. Right, and then it just progressively got more and more and more. I mean. They don't build as many ranks as they do these days because I, I get the cost and the money factor and, and, and towns can't support ranks the maintenance and everything. But, I mean, those players, Bobby Orr, Ray Borg, Cam Neely, those guys, even some of them today, are inspiring the, the youth to get more involved in the game. They all set the trend for some of these players. Some of these people who watch the game today are all because of those particular players. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Even today at Learn to Skate, no lie, there were kids that the top line was on the... Ice and you're skating by. There's a little Pasternak. There's a little Bergeron. Like you know, you can see a little Marshawn over there, a little girl with her braids and her ready to take the boys out. You know. And yeah. Great. No, absolutely. It's, it's great to see. I mean, I mean, the the, the evolution of the game, not and, and particularly in New England. Maybe it's because I have a fucking bias to this area and, and and the product that comes out of here because we are known worldwide as one of the best producers of hockey whether it be Minnesota, Canada, or even in Europe. We have some you know of the what? top colleges here Yeah, to it's watch. Sick. It's, it's sick. unreal. So, um, but I, mean, I guess for me, it was my dad. Um, and I, I, always, I always say, most of the time I always say this, but he was a goaltender back in the day, and it was just a rec league kind of goalie. And uh, do you remember the rink over behind Walsh Ford where it is now? Do you remember that one? I don't remember that one. Yeah, well, my dad used to play there back in the day and play with some old Maples and, and, and then started, I mean, he was always a Bruins fan, <clears throat> but I, I really picked up on it when he was really paying attention to this particular game as a young child on a regular. Like, this is exciting. If he's doing it, I want to do it too, you know, because we emulate our, our parents so much, so... That's how I got hooked. It wasn't a particular player or, or it was just more of a time. Just growing up. Yeah, it's like, you know, whatever my dad wanted to do, I wanted to do too. So it's I like, was very similar. I've, my brother, he's seven years older, so I was followed in his footsteps. But yeah, it was always wanting it's a great to be like thing. him. And he always skated. I went to all of his games growing up. It was kind of a yep. fun thing to do. I'm just happy I stuck with it. I mean, I tried other sports. I, I just, I'm a fucking hockey junkie. I can't yeah, help exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, growing up. You know, I, I tried, I tried the whole football you. thing. I, I jumped on that bandwagon, too. In 2001, I, it was like, I went to the store after they fucking won the, won the super, first Super Bowl. And it, yeah. uh, one of them. And, uh, first one. It was yeah, the first, it was first one. one. And, and then, you know, just bought up all the stuff. My parents let me play football. They said it was, I'd get too many injuries. And, I mean, I played hockey. <laughs> I think I got a lot more. That's funny because my mother said I couldn't play hockey because I had naturally straight teeth. And I was like, that's stupid. It, it, <laughs> like, it, I played soccer, lacrosse, baseball, hockey, everything. I was always busy. But hockey was my sport. I played year-round almost. Yeah. Summer leagues, fall. I was just doing it all the time. Yeah. That might be why I like hockey too, is because I was a soccer player, and they're similar, and like just the strategy. Absolutely, and obviously the yeah. Setup you know, there's offsides. There's, there's yeah, all kinds of variables that 
can associate both both sports yeah. to it. But it's a little different, but yeah, I, even the I like my contact and things like that. Like you. yeah, <laughs> I like my. That's why I like playing goalie in soccer because you could actually go and throw a body around and not get yeah. in trouble for I it. I was a defenseman. <laughs> See, bring in the violence. Cody's bringing the violence to the podcast, and, and of course Heather, and then Jesus. You might as well just call this fucking Rock'em Sock'em fucking beers and brooms. I like that Rock'em Sock'em beers. <laughs> yeah, it's I not mean, that, but you know what? That's a Don Cherry term. Uh, that's of the, all the videos. But that's the era of. Har- I mean, I Trademark. was born in '92. <laughs> I still have so some of his tapes from way back in the day. Do you still have I, I, I do. I don't know if they work. <laughs> Well, it's funny. It's though. just the fact that you have them. It's, it's pretty cool. Like yep. when you were younger, there were like the game that's today. There were like only a handful of players who really were like you know that kind of fast agit like that like Pavel Bure's of the world or like when you were younger. You know what I mean? But when I was younger, it was still like. I mean, I guess you still see it, right? Like Terry O'Reilly jumping over the thing uh, or whatever. Or just Rick Middleton, just you know whatever. I just big tough defense. I don't know. I just right. I mean. PJ Stock, I grew yeah. up watching oh, all yeah, the time. PJ. It's yeah. a early that late nineties hockey. You watched Jeez. it was it was Luckily hitting punching up. <laughs> it, it was hitting, yeah. but you also had your finesse players, but they they still hit. Oh yeah. Well, even oh, yeah. my very first like live game, I got to go to. Remember, you brought me. We yeah. went and saw the Devils because I you did see loved. everybody. I'm not an asshole. I'm obsessed with Martin Brodeur. <laughs> anybody who knows yes. me knows well, that. Well, we knew that. Ahead of time, so. But we went and it was the old Garden and it was thing and they literally Stevie Hines <coughs> fought the whole entire Devils team. Well, Cam Neely got ejected at, like a minute yep. and a half in for Steve stupid Leach. Claude Lemieux. Steve Claude Leach Lemieux. had a. Had a yeah. Oh. When he ragdolled him into oh, the yeah, corner, oh, yeah. yeah, and like the ref was standing the, there, the he was so mad too. Yeah, looked oh, yeah. over, I just, looked I just over regret the fact that Neely missed that yeah. first punch that he threw at him. I mean, we walked play. in; it was so close, Cody. Like when you walked into the old garden to sit in the loge, like you, I remember standing like again. It was like two feet from me in the goal. We were practically on the glass. But just, I just remember like everyone was like, "There's not even going to be any players to finish this game." The old garden was the worst, though, right? Marty Brodeur gives up like five goals. They put Chris Terrarian only to put. Marty Brodeur back in. He's not our goaltender, people. Why are you pelting him with cups? Who cares? We want him to let up five goals, you know. That was such a rough place. Did you get to go to the old garden? Or Unfortunately, no. Um, too young. I did. Yeah. I, I met Cam Neely in the parking lot once. Nice. In the Boston Garden. I went to Boston for, I forget the reason, and I parked right near the garden, and I was walking. I was by myself, and Cam Neely was all by himself. And I'm like, I got all excited and everything. You know, I ran up to him. I probably scared him because he's like, I don't know you, you know. I, all I did was help, hold out my hand to shake his hand, and he did actually. And I was like, "Okay, I'll leave you alone." That's awesome. And I went went about my business. And That's awesome. Like I, w- I wish Terry O'Reilly, Cam Neely, all those guys. I wish I was able to watch growing up there. Yes. I don't know. You think about the Bruins, and that's kind of you hear those names. It's. Iconic. YouTube, my dear Watson. If you want to watch videos, Wait, they're oh, all there. Oh, trust it's me, that's crazy. crazy. <laughs> but it's, I wish I was able to. A lot. No, I get you. The, the, I get you. No, my whole life, it's unreal. like, oh, you should have seen Bobby. Or, well, sorry I was born four years too late or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Kind of thing. And I that's like funny for you because for me, it was like all about, especially when we were young, like Neely and Bork were like the new, you know, they were the, it's crazy watching them. It's just weird to think like they're your Bobby or to us that we've didn't quite get to right but it's really cool to see how the games evolved mm. and just the the amount of skill and technique and how just the speed factor the, is yeah, absolutely exactly. crazy like i like i go i like i like archive games you know what i mean because i'm old like mike um 
so I'll I'll watch a whole game from back in the like the seventies and eighties, and, and and then I'll watch a game that led to today, and probably one of the two fastest teams in the league, and I'll pick that game and I'll watch that. It's a huge difference. You go from skill and finesse to speed and just in your face. You have no time to react in the in in these situations. So it's good. I mean, it seems to be a money maker. The leagues fucking making money as much as they say they're not. And you know we're going to be a potential strike, but anyway, I want. To, yeah. But guess no, what? I, mean, I, know. I still have rinks. That's you, that's another podcast to come later, right? No, we'll, do, we'll do that in the whiskey bar. <laughs> you still have uh, <laughs> rinks popping up everywhere. Oh, I yeah. mean, Amesbury is about to put in. Yeah. Hopefully, I'm very my close. Fingers that it's going to be as many as they say, six rinks. Six rinks in one oh, building. Yeah, I hope so. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. I, I I work at. Um, a company on, on South Hunt Road, which is right across the street from where this rink is supposed to be, and I'm very excited about that because it could be an opportunity for me to expand this this production thing. So, uh, But anyway, I did some snooping around, and they have marked trees that they're going to cut down, and they have done perk tests, so I'm thinking... I, Next month is going to be the ground's going to be g- soft enough. What? Even three rinks, I'll be happy with. Even if it's oh, like yeah. six, absolutely. Still, I've never played anywhere in the economics um, um, footprint that it's going to leave in this town is just huge, absolutely crazy, crazy good. Well, I mean, you we've know, seen I the had to go. Oh yeah, and it's it's uh, honestly actually like, Heather 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 played. was my uh, was my binky. I'll, I'll just say, yeah. uh, you know, she was my go to when I was just like I. I just got invited to go to a town meeting and never been one, never been to one before. Want to go with me? You know, kind of like hold my hand a little bit. But when I went in there, I was I got a better um, sense of how small communities yeah, work like that and so or on. Any town, big or small, it's kind of the same stuff right. that you've been watching. But I also got a better idea of what goes into a project like mm-hmm. this, and, and it's and, and the estimated was like thirty three million dollars. So. You know, that's, that's a lot. Be a big but it, it looks beautiful, Cody. Like the plans, I just. I've never right. played. The only place close to here that had multiple rinks was Exeter. That's mm-hmm. 20 minutes. Mm. You go to Marlboro, that's two to three rinks, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's four, five. Yeah. Four now? All right. It might even be eight. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I could they be wrong. Yeah, but that yeah, was in did. the. Yeah. I mean, I graduated high school in 2010. The last time I played there was probably 2006 ish, so 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> me, me and Mike are shaking our heads because uh, I graduated in '94. I graduated in 1985. I graduated in '96. All right, so it's like, Ugh. or you went out to Lake Placid and they had four rinks out there. You had nowhere right. that had six rinks in this area no that way. you could go. It's unreal. They're they're building more and more of those. Just I I have an older son who played for through his first year band. Shout out again. Sebastian. Sebastian, what's up? You know. Okay. He'll be mad we said that, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> it's all right. Good job watching your brother while I'm down here. Um, so, like, uh, now they have a few of them. Like, Tuxbury is multiple one. That's an R, you know, one or whatever. But uh, there's a beautiful one, like, in Hudson, New Hampshire. But like yep. you said, like, it's a drive, you know. like Hooks that, that it has two. Yeah, it's, it's, like, beautiful. But I think it's, I mean, like all sports, you know, popularity, it's very big right now. Like, I mean, the Crosbys and the Ovechkins and the Canes of this last generation. It's just really expensive have, to play. Right, got people. Well, I always say to people, though, is the reason why hockey's expensive to play is because you pay it up front. Yes. Where every other activity, you pay it per month. You know, your kid goes to dance or they do whatever. You pay it per month. But hockey, you got to pay up front. But I just always say if your kid really loves it, it's worth it. If they don't, hockey's not a sport if you only sort of like it that you do because it is too – I mean, you don't want to get up to – Practice. A lot of organizations are very reasonable and understanding, mm-hmm. and we'll work with you too. Yeah. I mean, 
with having two family, me and my brother yeah. growing up playing hockey together, it was very hard for everyone to, my parents to support it, but they were very willing to work with us. And I don't want to be a bragger. I've run like the tagging for our local youth hockey and I've been on the board and we have a great hockey program. So any kids around here, you know, this is a lot of exactly. history in this town. We're building the program back up. You mean anybody who is in youth sports knows youth sports is not what it was like when I was a kid. No, you not at all. played for your town and you played for your team and that was like the kind now of Now it's all travel and select so teams travel, and blah, blah, blah. Select teams is, that's what I grew up playing. And opportunity and things well, it's, like it's that. Good, it's and, good scouting for freaking colleges and so on yeah, too. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, like there's just a lot of opportunities in different sports <laughs> and kids play sports like year-round when we were growing up, right? You played hockey when it was wintertime and you probably, like you didn't like it, but you probably played baseball or something else after whether you liked it or not and you did those kind of things. But I think there's a lot of growth I think especially around here again 2011 was kind of like when you know the when the, you know or and then they won it revitalized it so, and I think people see the opportunity in it especially in the north like in, I'm sure Minnesota whatever they're all places that hockey's kind of a fundamental you know sure. if you grow up in Florida you're not initially going to want to be a hockey player probably you're going to want to be a baseball player but in New England kids still kind of like you learn to ice skate when you're three and you do whatever so I think a lot of people have recognized the economic opportunity. Like we're gonna, it's a huge benefit to our town. Oh, sure. And we have a lot of history, and not just us. There are many, many, many places around that are just like us can claim that. But you know, we've got the history of the Maples. Shout out to the Maples again. You know, just the youth hockey program, uh, and through the high school. I mean, we have a lot of history, and it's the program's being but revitalized from the top to the bottom. You know, and bottom to top, and. A lot of towns are doing that because there are places coming and willing to make these giant rinks. More than one town can be at them, and there's enough ice for everybody. And that's a lot of problem that I think that people run into, you know, that say the pros don't. Right, right. Also, I feel like a lot of these newer rinks will be a lot safer than some of the older state rinks, too, because yeah, the older state rinks have the older boards a lot thicker. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. the new, it's. There's no give. <clears throat> and none at all. Game has changed, hasn't right. kept up. No, exactly. Um, let's let's talk some Bruins. Fine. We've been we've been into this for a while, and I appreciate the the looking back and everything. That was awesome. So it's good, it's just good audio, in my opinion. But uh, as mentioned, we're recording this episode 14 on February 16, 2019. Uh, so the Boston Bruins are currently in the third position in the Atlantic Division and uh, fourth in the Eastern Conference. Uh, 2018 regular season record of 33-17-8 and eight with 74 points, a home record of 21-7-3, and three, and a not-so-appealing record of 12-10-5 and five, um, at home. So, I'm sorry, on the road. Uh, to finish this long spiel off, they are 6-3-1 in the last 10 games. So I ask you, what are your expectations for the remainder of the season and, and potential upcoming playoffs? Stop with you, Heather. Well, actually, we'll just go right around. So. Right. Well, I expect they make the playoffs. I mean, they should. I think I like a lot of people. Uh, I always speak as a fan. I'm not, you know, I mean, I'm not always about the statistics and stuff. Is that they need to figure it out? Like, I feel like this team, like we're a good team. They don't always play, you know, as up to their potential, but they don't really play much below what we expect. You know, their talent to be. But they just got to figure it out. Like, it's going to be a long stretch. We're playing, like, every other game, every other day practically for the next two months. And we're facing the Tampas and the whatever, and where we got this long West Coast. And just 
they got to figure out what happens when we lose David Pasternak, you know, when we lose. We, and the funny thing is everyone, it's always the chick, you know, the sky is falling, whatever. We'll make the playoffs. I don't expect us to hoist a cup. I don't know if anyone around this circle does, but I expect I know I'm not. I expect I'm not a rah -rah. first round, whether they're wild card or fur. I, I mean, would I love them to hoist a cup? Yeah. But I expect them to continue to play, consi you know, consistent and work the bugs out and figure out what the heck exactly we're doing with all the young kids, the whatever, moving forward towards next season and make a run at it. Who knows? Maybe you end up in the finals, but, you know, go. But just continue to figure out as a team the most effective way to get through. Like, we can't have, which I think has been, you know, like yesterday was good to show that we don't need to have a setback every time we have a major piece fall apart, which this team is chronically injured and chronically whatever. So, uh, you know, just shoot for the moon, at least get in the first round and see right. what goes for next year, you know? Absolutely. And, yeah. What do you think, Cody? I'm very happy where we are right now because if you think about just everything that's going on with the team, they're still showing good signs it's not like yeah they go into some slumps but it's not like they're big deep slumps where it looks like oh we're really not going to make the playoffs i mean we know it's going to be a tough run against tampa if we get there against them they're just running away with everything right now which is very unreal but i'm i'm just happy to see them make the playoffs it's playoff hockey and I'd like to just see my hometown team be in it and if they don't make the Stanley Cup that's okay as long as they're competing and being up in that top level of competition then I'm happy with seeing what they're doing and as long as we're going to have a future I'm happy too it looks like all of our prospects are going to be something to really pay attention to yeah, I got that on the agenda. We'll talk about prospects <laughs> later on. But, Mike, what are your thoughts on this season and uh, um, the outcome that you I I think they're good enough to stay in the top four top four teams. I don't know about the Pasternak injury. If it's going to be longer than two weeks, that could be a problem. That could be a problem in the, the seeding in the playoffs, you know, as opposed to being at home in the first round or being on the road. That could be a problem. Are they going to address that? Are they going to treat it like a long injury? And I just think, I don't think they're Stanley Cup contenders. I think they're good to be in the top four. I just hope their their defense stays relatively healthy because, you know, McElvoy is in and out, and they have certain players who have their inconsistencies, you know, yep. being in and out of line, yep. lineup. So I think if the defense stays consistent and healthy and the Pasternak injury isn't as long as a lot of people are saying it is I think they'll be okay maybe get to the I'm thinking maybe second round you know maybe you never know a hot goaltender too yeah could you never know how far you can go with that either I for me I really think that they're gonna they're gonna make the playoffs I I think then I don't think they're gonna catch Tampa Bay no but I know they're gonna play very well jockeying for position with with Toronto and anybody, Montreal even, so because they're in the, uh, that, that first wild card now. Um, but you know, a scary part for me, moving into the playoffs, if they, if they make it, air quotes, mm -hmm. is, is if they jump over, where, where, if they stay in the, in the first wild card position, they actually jump over, I believe, into the freaking Metro division. So they'd match up with the Islanders, and I'm not sure about, I mean, I'm confident because of the 3-1 victory they had the other week. 
I mean, they dominated the freaking. I'm not worried about the Islanders. Islanders, it's I more the Capitals. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. oh, yeah. Your top team. I mean, even 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 going seven full stretch against Toronto is going to be tough. But yeah, then, well, you, yeah, if you yeah, make well. it past there, who's waiting? It's going to be Tampa Bay or Washington or somebody else that that is. It just doesn't Sorry. get easier, though. No, no exactly. I feel it, more comfortable in the Metro than I do. Yeah, maybe for the first round. Yeah, but would, would you want to be? No, no. The yeah. first round, that's what I'm saying, is that that would actually make me feel a little yes. better about the first round uh, than facing some. The problem is, is that in the East right now, it's like Tampa Bay and the rest of us. And the rest of us are like throwing elbows, and, yeah, which is good. Absolutely. It makes for good hockey. It makes for very, you know, you want it to be competitive. It's a great product. Right. But at the same time, it make, makes you nervous. But I would feel more comfortable with the Metro in the first round. That's just my humble opinion, of course. But um, Moving on to the next topic. If the playoffs can't be made this year and the Bruins fail to get to the second round, a place they saw last spring against Tampa Bay Lightning, which you just mentioned, do you think upper management should be reevaluated or maybe even shook up? Is Could this be like the time that... Because I know I'm already hearing it on the Twitter um, and, and other social media outlets that there's, there's a lot of displeasure for Don Sweeney right now. And I think it's because of the fact that he, he doesn't make those big splash trades. Uh, he's more of a lateral movement kind of guy. Let's fill a gap instead of uh, you know shooting for the moon. Um, what do you think? I mean, is it time to go out and look for a Mike Fuda uh, of somebody out there that might be a little more qualified to be a better GM. And I'm not saying that he's a bad GM. I'm just, you know, what do you think, Heather? I, well, I like Don Sweeney. I mean, especially when it comes to young people, and I'm sure you, you like that about Play him. Play development is definitely huge with me. Right. You know. I think for a long time he helped, I mean, he helped this team from falling apart with all the, what he was doing. But I think you got to learn how to be a GM, too. I mean, I do believe he's the man with the plan if we were going to shake up management, and I do think if if we don't make the playoffs, something has to get shaken. Shout out to Scott LeBaron. Just bought a round. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you very much, Sonia, for the, uh, the drinks. Thanks, we Sonia. appreciate it. Um, Sorry to interrupt. I do think. No, that I, awesome. that's fine. I just, I mean, I think I've said this to you because, again, we've been talking about hockey for many, many decades now at this point. Uh, <laughs> I think Don Sweeney's going to end up Make me in feel really good. the rafters as a builder, not as the player. You know, he, he, every generation has their few guys that are up there. And he, for me, I think he should be up there with uh, Neely and Bork. Maybe not so much, you know, but he was a teammate of there. You know what I mean? But... I think that he's a man with a plan. I think that he sees the future of how the sport is moving and he's getting there. Do I think maybe we have too much going on down there at this point and we do need to make decisions on that end? That's So you're, oh, yeah. so you're a Sweeney guy? But you're you're would, a Sweeney stay? Maybe Neely? I think, well, I'm not saying maybe come next year, but I think he said right out he wanted a three- to five-year plan, right? And we're kind of near the fruition of that three- to five-year plan or around it. So for me, as for next season... I think Sweeney should be around. Now, if he does, like, a crazy trade that is, like, a horrible, you know, whatever. But I think that he's learning to be a GM, and I think he's done all right at it. And I think, you know, I, I would give him at least another year to work out what to do with all these young guys that he helped bring into this, you know. And right. move forward, we're also still transitioning between Cloud and, you know, Butch or whatever. And, uh, again, I, I've said I don't think they're that radically. I think the way they approach the young players might be, but their coaching stuff, you know, like – 
We haven't done anything so crazy to disrupt the system yet either, which is good because you shouldn't blow up your system either. I don't ever think that's a good idea. But I do think Sweeney should stay. I love Chiamnelli, but I'm not sure how, you know, like he's probably for me more on the chopping block (laughs) because he's been around longer than Sweeney for whatever has or has not happened in the last five years. Right. What do you think? I think they need to say they, they haven't been with, Bruce Cassidy long enough I feel like they need they're learning the way he likes to coach and they're trying to build the team around his style but not just that I feel like he's done a really good job looking long term you follow the prospects a lot and it's he's looking long term and he's trying to make sure that we're not going to just go into one of those deep slumps that Toronto and Tampa might be looking at or you look at some I mean Pittsburgh, they're they're still doing good, but I feel like they're not what they used to be. But they have crazy depth. They have a future. Exactly. When you support a cast but like that with freaking Cindy Crosby and, and, and it, it, Danny so, Malkin and all those guys the, and Latang, it's I feel like good things they are gonna happen. need to kind of give them a little more time to get used to this coach because for a while the system was built around Claude yeah. and his coaching style, so it's one thing. It's one transition. One thing that I really like about Cassidy is his supporting cast behind him with Kevin Dean, Jay Pandolfo, Ev- Joe Sacco, even everyone. though I'm not a big fan, but, and, and then you look down in the minor system, Jay Leach is a, is a decent freaking uh, head coach down there, and Trent Midfield, and I still cannot remember the, the other guy that just came in the season, but, I mean, they're all there to do and, and provide knowledge to to properly develop, and the, even at the even at the NHL level, this this still their mindset is all we need to train get these, get the message into these kids for longevity, not the short term. I don't feel like he's also had that opportunity to make that big explosive trade yet either. I mean, every time he's really looked into it, they. The player, I mean, either didn't want to really come or they didn't really have the pieces to make it. It would have not made sense. So I feel like he's kind of waiting for that right one to come up and not destroy everything that we have because it's, look, they made the Nash trade and everyone's upset with how that turned out. It's I wasn't upset with the, with the trade. <laughs> Lingering, it is what it is. Probably, probably, He'd probably have a real tough time seeing any NHL time, but it, it, is, it is a difference of... You know, whether you play or not, that's the factor. So, and like, I go back to thinking about like Matt Benning. I thought Matt Benning was a good def- uh, defenseman at, at um, Northeastern. Yes. But he saw what was ahead of him. He saw this ball. He saw the Lausons. He saw all this developing depth and then said, you know, hey, I don't, I don't have a fit here. And he, and he just said, hey, we need to, we need to cut ties. And now he went out to freaking, you know, I believe it was Vancouver or Edmonton or something like that. But um, can't keep all the young kids, right? What do you think, Mike? Uh, I think, I think it's a tough call. Uh, you know, Crutchy and Bergeron are like thirty-three now. So I mean, if they don't blow anything up now, they could be. We could be waiting for quite a while. I mean, I know we have prospects and all this, but this is like almost like starting over. Charis forty-one. So I mean, the if if they want to stick to their program, then it's gonna be. They're going to be waiting a little bit longer, you know, because some people aren't going to be on this team in a few years or at the end of their contracts. 
So you either make a move now or you, I guess you just stick to your plan. But sticking to your plan means could mean a few more years. You know. So let me ask you a personal question, okay? Are you a guy that like <coughs> believes in the whole we need to do it for a certain amount of people, like the Bergerons, the Marshans, the Rasts, the Charas, or I, are you for the whole team? Well, I think it's probably different with every team, but I think they would probably like to see Bergeron and Chara, and, you know, just they probably were going to do something now yeah. just to help them because they are, you know, but they're probably going to be ruined for the rest of their lives until they, you know, they retire. So I would think they would either, you know, try to do something now or just they're going to be waiting for a, a little bit while now, I think, after. Well, that'll that'll segue right into my next question. Is is, is when thinking about uh, this year's trade deadline, which is coming up on Monday, February twenty fifth. Do you believe the Bruins should swing for the fences before then by acquiring a high price asset? Are you okay with a potential departure of fan favorite like forward Jake DeBrusque? And wait a minute. Oh, geez, this is a loaded one. Keep going. Yeah, I know. Until I, I just saw, I saw somebody and kind of ruined my thought. But uh, <laughs> are you willing to lose a player like Jason DeBrus to land a big fish like Columbus Blue Jackets sniper and Termi Panarin? And I probably hacked his name. I'm not good I at the whole name right. thing. I think you're right. Panarin, I believe it's Panarin. Yeah, I know. I'm just going to say Panarin. You're really bad. Panarin ones. for everything. Remember when you um, said I would. I'd tell you well, all the Finnish and Swedish people's names. You I know. Um, because you're crazy. Like, wow, that's a lot of question. It's like an essay in my head right now. Uh, that, one, I'm not comfortable. That's going to be your going can I, price. Can I just... That's going to be I your know. price. I guess this is where I'm at. Because I don't... If we were one player away from winning the cup this year, I'd say blow the whole shit up. I don't care. <laughs> because I do believe that Bergeron deserves another fucking cup. Because excuse my language, I'll be the first to drop the F-bomb. I agree. But Bergeron deserves another cup because he is not only just the core of this team... He just deserves it. He deserves it. Like, he is a well-rounded human being, and we all heart him. And not just the Boston fans love him. Other people's fans love Bergeron, too. Nobody has a bad word to say about him, and he works so hard. He works so He hasn't even played a chunk of the... He didn't play a chunk of the season due to injury, and he's still our man. He's still the heart of the team. He's a fucking tank. I am not comfortable with Jake DeBrus going anywhere at all. Can I just be... I'm comfortable with prospects or young players that have been up going. Jake DeBrus, I think, is showing me signs... We, and we've talked about this before just personally about how well, the worst part you're about either it, a Bruin or you're not a Bruin. The right? worst part and about it's not it, just about the way you play. It's kind of like where you fit into how is your, the city. You're bottlenecking prospects right now. Right. Oh, absolutely. And I'm sorry that all you guys, good job with your prospects. But at some point, this was going to happen. Yep. We knew it was going to happen. I'm not comfortable with DeBrusque going, but I am comfortable with some of our high-end uh, young players slash prospects going. JFK, I just don't JFK know if that Sinishin. needs to be... Uh, JFK, uh, no offense, he he would have already been out of t- he could have been out of town for me. Yes, that's by the deadline, but I, where free agency is also you know sometimes you have good free agent years, sometimes you don't. I'm not sure it's worth this. Blow- summit, by the way, is a good free agent. Sorry, year. blowing yeah, blowing up everything right now when we're probably not going to win the cup anyways. Why can't we just reevaluate it? Maybe make a little move if you have to, just to maybe get second round. Maybe to I'm gonna go round. all in for next year. And then Sunday, I was su- I Sunday in the summer, figure it out. Like I said, figure it out. Who's staying? Who's going? Like, yeah. how many years in a row can you say we're gonna hold 
keep preparing for the next year and the next year. Although it's, I would blow yeah, it up it more. I, I don't mean to talk forever like, about this. Yeah, blow okay. it up in summer for me, not now. Right. This year is not a good year to try and make one of those trades. We need to do more than just a forward. I'm sorry, but I feel like our defense does need another top guy. I'm with you. <clears throat> I'm with you on that. And I feel like I, I have not, I've never been a fan of Char. Never. Not once have I been a fan since he's been here. He's, he worked with Thomas because Thomas was so low and Thomas could look through his legs and look around him. Tuka's a little too tall. Same with Hawaii. I noticed Char is a freaking brick wall in front of those goalies. Yeah. And not just that, he doesn't use his slap shot. He doesn't use his size. He gets too many penalties with his reach or he gets burned. It's There's definitely more than just that second line forward we need. And we're not going to get it with trades this year to make a run for the cup. It's just kind of the free agency is going to be our best bet. And just, like I said, it's going to be a better free agent class than John Tavares led last yeah. summer. It's, and there's too many to options, and not just that. I mean, there are enough lower guys we could get rid of, but. See, I, I, I even said that in the Black and Gold Hockey podcast so many freaking times. Not Chara Hater, so don't fucking bring it at me. Not you guys, I'm just talking. Oh, I am. General it's public. okay, I am. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's just, I, I, see, I see value on both sides of the coin with him. I see him as a, a, a spiritual leader and a workhorse. I do get that, but at his age, he's going to be 42 years old. I think that roster spot is much more suitable to a player that's under... Yes, it's on an entry yes. level contract and like waiting for our spot to get there up. Because two. all right, here's another thing: if you fucking resign Chara to another fucking year, then you have to. You are now forced to trade Zaboro, allows on, and all those guys because you, you, you're going to lose them sooner or later. On the power later. play last night, twice there was two chances he could have taken his what his slap shot is, and he he did it. It's just like you. I understand that, but it's just like utilize it when you have the opportunity take it that that's freaking what you're getting paid for is to hit take your slap shot and use your body because how big of a guy you are that's your type of defenseman you are that's what you were in ottawa that's why we got you and now you're starting to not do that anymore so it's yeah mike what are your thoughts on um trading to brusque if you have to yeah i would thank you for that good memory too by the way Oh, I, I jumped ahead of myself on the uh, on the agenda, but go ahead. That's okay. No, I'm I'm all for it. And it's been 2011 since the last Stanley Cup. Maybe I if think it, you so you're, a chance you're, to get. You're a, you're a, if it makes your team better now. That's what in the return. Then do it. I would do it now. I, he's I gonna he's gonna be a rental. So if, if Panarin was if Panarin did come to Boston, you lose the brusque, you lose the first round. You're probably going to lose a middle prospect. I don't know. Is that is that it? No chance of signing him next year. Some, yeah. I mean, he's already said in Columbus to reporters that he wants to test the free agency. He will not talk to any team, including Columbus, until after July 1st. So at this point, I'm out on him. I'm crossing that fucking guy off the board. I don't. 
like anyone that's not going to be committed to us long term. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we need. We need at least I mean, a few to me, years. A lot to of me, players won't be three, unless they three, actually get I, here. I, I need at least three the years. System for a little not bit. to go right. back. I think not I can say that about every team. If he had a full season, full, I'm on it. I'm yes. on that. Yes. You know what I mean? Well, this goes back to the Nash trade last year. Because of injury is the reason that Nash did not pan out. Because when he first showed up, it was good good for Creech or whatever. You know, he's up there. Thing. He got hurt. Whatever. He's an older player. You know, he's more on the this end than that end. But he was an opportunity. Yes, he was expensive. It turns out, you know, it didn't pan out. But... I think he's someone who wanted to, would have wanted to be here, and then he might have finally found his home as a player, and that we as a team, he as a player, I liked whatever, him coming here. I was excited, and then he got hurt, it which is really out. unfortunate. But Sweeney did take a chance. The managed, they swing for the fences, and it didn't work out. Also, many other injuries. Our defense always goes down two games into the playoffs the last few years, whatever. I'm not against that kind of trade, but I... I think the free agent class is better than right now. It's like a you know, it's a buyer's. It's not a buyer's market. You kind of it's like buying a house in July as opposed to June. You know, June that area and not January. You have more opportunity, I think, to get a big person long term for a better deal than to try and rent someone and keep them. Or same thing with Wayne Simmons. You know what I mean? I'm not. That came out way random. I'm not a fan of that's him okay. either. I'm not a fan of his style. Yeah, he doesn't fit. Yeah. You know, Wayne Simmons. Wayne Simmons scores goals five feet in front of the net. That's it. Where you, you know mean in our his, his, his game? His game off the puck is more of a concern, and I wouldn't want to give him because he's Wayne, a, a type of player like Wayne Simmons is going to want to get a contract for his for the end of his career. He's planning for retirement. If that was so, our look style, for him to go from a three point five million, four million yes. up to at least seven. You know what I mean? We turned too far away from that style of hockey. Yeah. We're not that type of team anymore. We're moving right. more to the finesse and European style. It's you got to have that scoring chance where you can score from anywhere inside the offensive zone with that shot, sure. not just rebounds and off of the tips and in front of the net and being that body screening the goalie. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Say it. They, they, Bruins have a lot of needs. Um, I mean Simmons. I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch him, anyways. Yeah. I. I just think it's a bad idea. It's just not the fit. Keep so, it under thirty. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it under thirty. Same. Yeah. 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 All right. I let's get one more in before we take a quick break because we're right around the hour mark. So uh, just to hear from. Uh, our, uh, well, it's not a sponsor, but just a partnership that we share. Um, are you guys happy with the way the Bruins club has been drafting since Don Sweeney took the helm back in the spring of 2015? More or less, I'm asking about the time it takes to properly develop. So many fans frustrated because those prospects haven't seen NHL time yet. And, and after leaving the draft podium... After three seasons, some as much as three seasons. Well, I think it takes time for anybody. I think that for some of our like prospect type kids, we got way ahead of ourselves. I think that um, as I mean, not 
maybe whatever, but like you're a giant prospect guy. So like I forgive you because you love prospects and you always people who love prospects and really follow like the young kids that are gonna eventually be the superstars, you know, see the potential. But the potential doesn't always pan out. And I always say like there's nothing wrong with an AHL career too, because sometimes that happens. Sometimes you look great against your peers, you know, in college and then you don't translate or whatever. I'm like a position person. Like it takes longer to develop certain positions than other positions. Like for me, Ryan Donato, he, he's kind of been, you know, he's had moments of greatness and moments of what is he doing. But like he's a kid that whether it's here or somewhere else, he's going to be all right in the end, right? So let me ask you a quick question. But there are some people where I'm like, you know, like not for nothing but the JFKs of the world. And I, I don't think it's because they don't see enough time or whatever, because you can see them down on the other team too, whether, you know. Let me interrupt you real quick. Okay. And I'm, I apologize Before for that. I I, I just got, like, I'll forget. I'll forget. <laughs> but are you are you a draft by position or a draft best available? I think it depends on your need of the draft that year. Uh, obviously, yeah, right, you're I, the GM. I'm. You're yeah. an armchair GM. You know. It, yeah. You know. You, you I, need I certain needs in, in, in three or four years away. Do you plan yeah, for that like you or look just like like the young defensemen we have? I think you know you you see Chara aging. You see you know we haven't really had many other people kind of stick right then. We've got the middle, you know, kind of middle-aged defensemen, you know, like the Krugs and the Millers of the world. And then we've got the young guys. Like, again, I feel like Carla, you know, he's last year had a sophomore slump. I feel like Charlie McAvoy is having, you know, kind of hit. This was his first real true kind of sophomore season. Injuries, whatever. They get in their own head. The Jake DeBrosse, they get in their own head. Danton Hine, they get in their own head. But then there are some prospects that sometimes don't. I think that the way you, I think he's been doing great drafting. I don't think it's necessarily anyone's fault that some of them aren't panning out the way we thought they were. And they're the type of people I feel, feel free to package with someone in the middle, you know, like a couple things. I don't think we should be giving away draft picks, you know, to get somebody. I think some of these other kids might work to build. out. You've right. got to continue but to build. I, I, as for drafting what you draft for, I think it depends. Like if you're an immediate need, you get a superstar <laughs> that's like a Crosby or someone's in this club and they can make it big and you can get a kid like that, you get them. They're right. already NHL ready. But everybody else, you got to have a little patience for three, four years. I mean, some of these kids are 18 years old. They're not even grown men yet. And you're throwing them in there with the Zidane Ochara's big 41 and slow or not or whatever kind of thing. It's there. I mean, college is a complete different style of game so going for younger guys and whatnot it's harder to have them be able to go against grown men and be able to produce yeah they they are gonna the first like Donato last year he played how many games with us and he excelled but it's because no one really knew his style and they were very thrown off by now the book out now the book's out on him and not just that but it's like you're playing a full year now and it's very easy to pick up on the way you play and how you you still haven't been able to think the way the pros are thinking. They're thinking two steps ahead of you, way out of even college. And I think um, the last, I think, no, two games ago, they mentioned that in one of the intermissions is how um, DeBrusque has been, he thinks ahead, but he's not thinking as fast as they are in the NHL style because it's two different styles of hockey, where you're coming from and where you're going. It's just... It's kind of hard for these younger guys to do what they need because it's they're trying to find their game a style of hockey. They need to adjust what made them 
why you drafted them, and they're trying to make it fit against all these guys that made a professional career out of their game. It's like it, they're not well-rounded. Like they, like for like a Ryan Donato, you see the holes in his game. Yes. So now it's his job to fill in the holes, or and, the staff to help him fill. Yeah, in. And I feel like the last pretty much everybody has holes in their game that they draft. It's just a matter of they get to work with them after that. Mm-hmm. So I'd have no problem with how they've been drafting in all the kids like you said some of them take longer than others it's all you never know what you're going to get it's just some people take you know longer time so I think you just keep drafting the way you've been drafting and address the uh, the needs that these players have the the things they're not that good at well the holes I should say you know can, can work on that after but you know you look at the qualities that they have and use that you draft that because that's what you need and work on the other stuff. I I don't have a problem with the drafting itself. Draft what fits best for your team. Yeah. It's it's go what's gonna fit best with your team and what you need. I, I, I for me and I know that because I talk a lot of prospects on Twitter and, and I and people reach out to me a lot to get my opinion. Because I watch a lot. I watch every friggin' uh, American Hockey League Providence. I know, I know. I see it in Facebook. So, you love the baby. So, I got a question. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I got a question for you, Mark. Do you feel like they're drafting players too young before they can really see their potential? Because I feel like the NHL is drafting kids that are right before they go into college or the first year of college. Well, you can't draft a player until he's 18. But. Once they're 18, you can draft them, and right. they're kind of deciding if they're going to go to the queue, yeah, or they're going to go juniors, or they're going to go college, or whatnot. Do you feel but, like right? But look at the look at the investment you have to do as a general manager with a college prospect. I take Zane McIntyre, goaltender playing for the Providence Bruins right now, as a perfect example. The guy was friggin' drafted eight years ago. That's my point. In 2010. Yeah. Oh, no, geez, even longer. longer. I'm sorry, no, that's, that's my Ainsbury math coming out. That's my point. <laughs> I like that You have guys like that where they the draft so long ago before the they really change. know their potential. Yeah. Do you feel like the NHL draft should make them kind of like football? You have to do your man, mandatory years and then go into the draft. Hmm. Interesting. It's interesting. I, I mean, honestly, I'd have to think about it. Kind of put me in a corner, and I'm like, <laughs> but you that's, know, but no, I do that's understand the what weird you're part about the NHL draft. You draft really young. Well, they want to raise the they want to raise the age to 19. I think they should because you at least because give I, them think a the, year. I think the CHL up in Canada, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, the Ontario Hockey League, and the Western Hockey League would all kind of benefit from that because those guys are believe it or not, they produce unreal world quality <laughs> freaking hockey players, no doubt. But that those leagues are struggling, so if they by keeping those players longer in those systems of developmental hockey benefits the organization because people are buying jerseys, buying shirts. They're, exactly, it's a business, guys. It, it, it's all a fucking well, business. You, you know, I, like I'm a college hockey girl, so for yeah. me, I I think I even said like with Ryan and I, like I get like maybe as this hockey development, it doesn't necessarily help him to stay and do his last year at Harvard, right? But what it does develop is physically as a guy, right, like as a man. Because, again, when you come smashing into a 27-year-old grown 
man and you're a 19 year old you're not physically kid that's not capable physically of, grown into yeah. your body well, that's right? kind of kind of thing you know my point sometimes it's better to give them an education because again you never know when you're going to get injured maybe your career's over what do they have but like things like that like yeah, it, maybe it doesn't benefit them to play against the peers they're playing against now, but in the long run, is it a better for them developmentally to maybe you need an extra year, there's more spots on the roster to Makes plug sense. them in, things like I that. I almost feel like they should be mandatory the four years because it's it gives them that extra year to grow up. I feel like there's too many younger guys getting hurt and getting these major injuries against these older guys that are costing their careers. True. Yeah. True. Point. And if you're really 18 and that spectacular, you know, you are the Ray Borg 7, you know, whatever. The Sydney producer, Crosby or Sydney whatever. Cro- you already know that you're going straight to the NHL. You haven't talked to a college. You haven't done what, you know, so from, I don't know, I guess it depends on the player themselves. But I think probably not just our team. Obviously, we have our kind of lens, but other places, too. Like, you get so excited. Oh, you goggles. Potential, but. I got my Bruins fan goggles on. Right. Well, I just other fans. I mean, I'd imagine that there are other fans out there too that are like, "Wow, we have all the greatest prospects ever on the planet," <laughs> and you just want to see the future so bad that you don't think, "Wow." And in five years, you're like, "Wow, that guy never developed." Well, because you rushed him, you know, whatever. And I can, being as a younger player, playing against guys that were three, four years older than me, it shows. You, you get tossed around. You get those major injuries, those concussions and whatnot that set you back. Right. Unfortunately. We are going to take a break right now. It's been about an hour of talking. So, um, and, and Cody brought up the whole college hockey aspect. So we're going to go right into a college hockey commercial. So we'll be right back. Thank you very much, everybody. Passion. Talent. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Nick Bukestad. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! David Backus. And Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! Uh, and after a short break and a fresh beer, fresh round, actually, for everybody. Thank you for the shot, Mark. Yeah, no problem, man. Uh, and I had to get a freaking a whiskey so I, you know, celebrate properly on the uh, podcast airwaves to say that I'm drinking a Jack Honey with Harpoon IPA. What are you drinking there, sweetheart? Um, should I lie or be honest? Um, yeah, you know, I, lie because you I, did have okay. a beer earlier. I was drinking, yeah, I was drinking beer, but it's my sister-in-law's 40th birthday. Oh, shout out. Shout so out. I have to drink tonight. So I've shot myself off and I've moved on to Diet Coke. Shout out. Yeah, shout out to Masha, my only sister-in-law. How you put up with my brother, I don't know. But <laughs> anybody who knows Masha, you know Masha. She is fun and awesome. She's a nurse saving lives and generally so fun and i cannot wait to make her a unicorn tonight outstanding member of society i must say she is she's awesome i love you shout out to Masha. um yeah we're back and uh we're all freshed up and let's just get right back into the topics um 
Are you guys surprised by the play of starting goaltender Tuka Rask recently? And are there any concerns with his season starts compared uh, to how he ends the regular seasons lately? In his last 13 starts, he's 10-0-2 with a very stingy 1.93 goals against average and a .934 save percentage, along with two shout-outs to boot. Also have to mention that his last regulation loss was back on December 23rd, 2018. Can I just fucking serve a big old fucking shit sandwich to all you fucking Tuka haters out there? I am not a Tuka hater or lover, as you know. I, I like Tuka. Yeah, I know. Fine. Um, I knew I, we were going to cross cross roads well, at this point. <laughs> no, I always say that I think Tuka is a showdown. Is a top-tier goaltender that doesn't always play like he is. I think... His biggest issue is his own self. He gets in his own head, and he's looked great. I mean, this has been a long stretch of note. That The thing that just still baffles my mind about Tuka is how you let in soft shots but then pull off these, like, crazy, like... And I, I guess you can say that about all goaltenders, but for me, Tuka is, like... He's been fine. He's a great goaltender. Glad he got his... You know, he got the most wins, whatever. But... His emotional state concerns me. He's been in a good head spot, you know, headspace, as they say. But I don't know that come the second week of March, he's not going to start spiraling. So I think he's looked tougher this year mentally than he has in other years after he got pretty much called on the carpet. He took his respite, you right. know, worked it out, whatever. He's been great since he came back. But the long and the short of it is he's the starting goaltender. But he's only going to keep that job as long as he knows he's the starting goaltender up in his head. And like, yeah, I like him. I think he's just fine with what we have. I think, you know, I would trust him until he proves me otherwise, you know. What do you got, Cody? I mean, for as long as we've had him, he's only had one season that wasn't a winning record, and that was the season that we won the Stanley Cup. So how can you really hate against him? He's had a lot more wins and losses. Yeah, he does let in some soft goals, but he's forced to make those amazing saves because of our defense. And then those soft goals go in because he's forced to make five, six, seven amazing saves in a row, and then that one soft save goes in, and then everyone rides his ass. Right. I've always liked Tuca. Never been a fan of Tim Thomas, so it's... He's won medals in the Olympics. He's proven that he can win those big games, and those are with teams that he doesn't spend nearly as much time with. I feel like there's a reason why he's not winning those big games with us because it's something in our system, our defense, or off. Something's letting him down. Mike, what do you think? Chuka's been really good lately, that's for sure. Um, I don't know if it's because of, you know, dividing the time between him and not dividing it equally, of course, between Halak and him. But I think you need to keep his, his mind fresh, too. I think he needs that day off here and there. Like, you know, a lot, every goal, goal he does. But Did you, uh, Let me interrupt you. Um, I'm sorry if I do this because I like to do it. Sorry. <laughs> um, did you like the Halak signing? I, well, I mean, what else? It didn't did bother you like, me. Did didn't, you like Hudobin? Do I like it open? Did you like Hudobin? Um, I thought he did okay. I did, didn't love him. I thought he filled in okay here and there. I, 
I like I like Halak actually better. Yeah, but I thought it was a serious upgrade. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I think Halak we can tr- even though he's been through a little rough patch, you can trust him like you could trust Tuka in a yeah. big game that he can come. I trust him more than where Hudobin Hudobin, was, yeah. yeah. I, I like Rask. I, I mean, there are, I mean, everybody talks about it. He gives up soft goals. No doubt. And then no doubt. Everybody I'm, I'm questions. a huge Rask fan. Everybody, everybody knows that here. Everybody, oh, I know. You know everybody it, questions it, it, his mental toughness getting ready yeah. for a game. Like 30 seconds into a game, gives up a goal. But sometimes you really got to sit down and think. It's like, wow, man, is it fucking taking forever? To him to oh, put it, it all together. Yeah. Put it and all it together. It takes a full half season. Is it just me or am I just am I just like no right? I don't think that I'm not fucking going crazy when I say that like it's taken almost half a season to get like right. into playoff mode. Yeah. Let's put yeah. that in air quotes. We're gonna do the playoff mode well, because I think because he's emotionally sensitive. The fact like Yaroslav Halak played so well, well at the beginning of the season, he felt it was like a challenge, which I think is <laughs> no, which I think is good for him though because he's he is a ment- like his problem isn't he gets. You know, where a forward, you're like, oh, it's like a batter. Sometimes they're just, you know, going one thirty. You also have to realize all these forwards are, in the offseason, they're not just doing nothing. They're obviously studying tape on all these goaltenders and seeing their weaknesses. So they're developing their game to beat him. So it it takes time to develop every season. They're Mm -hmm. definitely going to develop a new strategy Mm -hmm. against certain goaltenders. And how the, I mean, shootout's a very big thing on how you see what shooters do yeah. and how well, they approach the goaltender. You only face a certain goaltender two or three times a year. Well, in most cases, I don't think you pre- prepare for one goaltender. But it's more like you prepare for all the goal. Like you, over in the offseason, you look at what their tendencies oh, yeah. are and you try to pick up on every goaltender's tendency so you can if you have that chance to do that in the game, you're going to do it because you the, know how they're going to react and compete. The way, the way teams, I'm sorry, the way teams can prepare on video, especially these days, is absolutely crazy. Like every NHL team has a video coach that just that sits there and breaks down video of w- the mistakes. You know what I mean? It's it's just it's oh yeah. That's so, that's, that's, yeah. Between games, you know, from opponent to opponent. I mean, you. you oh, they do it right down into yeah. the periods. Yeah, into the periods. Yeah. yeah it's, As it's, for but, Tuka himself, though. I think that sometimes, I and I, I don't know this to be true, I obviously, I'm not trying to speak for Mr. Rask, I'm not him, I don't know him, but I feel like our defense sometimes can be shaky, but we have a pretty decent defense, like, you know, I'm not, there is really isn't many other defenses that are so much more solid than ours that you're like, oh, we're, but Shout I feel like Brandon sometimes Kylo he doesn't, awesome I just mean, I just feel like he, um, he, Sometimes I don't think he, when he gets down on himself, he has a hard time trusting the boys in front of him. And that reflects in that they know that he's not trusting them. And sometimes it kind of spirals. So I think that part of the reason he's been playing so well is that he's figured out how to kind of let himself get over it if he lets off a soft goal, which before he wasn't, whether that's he's too tough on himself or whatever. Same thing with the defense. I think that they've kind of let it go that, you know, some of it does have to be on our goaltender and it can't always be on us, you know what I mean? And... I think that they've, they're starting to gel more, you know what I mean, and trusting each other, which is hard when you always have a rotating cast of characters. I got a question for you, Mark. Do you feel like our defense is moving the guys from out front of the net enough, or are they just leaving them there too much? Well, that, I mean, <laughs> that brings me back to, like, well, that certain question brings me just, it just immediately gravitated right to Toy Crew. Now, I'm not a crew hater. I really like his offensive capabilities. I like the way he transitions. I like the speed that he moves the puck 
out of the zone. But when he's overmatched, he can't move that guy from in front of the exactly. net. Exactly. And then this is my point. Char so he becomes a defensive liability at that point. Char as a defenseman. Right. Is, yeah. I, I grew up as a yep. defenseman playing. It's the goaltender, you, and then the offensive player. Right. You don't let the offensive player between you and the goaltender. I watch the Bruins all the time, and I feel like it's our defenseman. The so if you turn player, that freaking puck over, bam! It's like that's why I feel like the, all the hate's going on because there's easy goals going in, but our defense isn't helping them out because they're not clearing the guys out right. in front. Right. Or I feel like we always call it, and I I love Tori Krug. Shout out to Tori Krug. I love you. Um, but he is a small guy. He can't move people out. He is a defensive liability within certain situations. When you he gets too close to the net, now he becomes a situation. Partly that size and because of play, you know, I mean, whatever. But I feel like, but we, and I'm not, and say uh, Miller, I don't love him. Like, to me, he's like, anyway, he does a good job. I'm not, like, hating on how he plays. But, right. like, to me, he's kind of run of the mill. Like, any, he stabilizes you know, the like, top yes, depth, sure, you know. Right. But we don't get on, like, the big defensemen enough about how they also don't clear the players out. It's always like Matt Grizzlick didn't do it. Tory Krug, of course Char- they didn't do it. They, he's 150 pounds. I'm just I don't know how much. Char he is, can you know out. I mean? Char can literally push these guys with yeah. one hand, hand right? And, and not even like. But the bigger and move guys move them, but he doesn't, yeah. and he's standing in front of them, and I, I that's where I get upset with his defensive play. I think we should call some of the big guys on defense because we kind of have a split defense, right? We've got half small guys, half big guys, yes. and ideally there's one big guy and one small guy matched up but again I don't think necessarily the big it doesn't guys even are matter as much to you, move you, the people either as yeah. a defenseman you learn those little tricks to move guys from in front of the net and you make them uncomfortable or they don't like it yeah it might be a stick in the back down the spine or whatever it, it you do those little things to make them not want to stand in front of the net in between you and the goaltender hmm. you got to keep doing it you're not going to get called for it as long as you don't make them fall you just make them uncomfortable. Another problem we It's had, not playing dirty. It's yeah. playing hockey. It's, you, oh, yeah. you make them known that they don't want to be there because you're not going to leave them alone. Another problem, I think, too, is that, like, a lot of times our forwards have played so far forward, there isn't, like, the third supporting person in case the defense gets caught up. You know what I mean? And that, again, is, I guess, just working your stuff out as a team and whatever else. But yeah, lately when there's no support, right, it's almost... You're not, you know, and that that's when there becomes a problem when you have especially a small guy with the speed trying to get back, but the big guy can't get back, and even one of the good-sized forwards aren't getting back either to support each other. Like, I feel like that supportive piece from the forward end has kind of slipped a little bit every now and then. I mean, again, it's really hard with this team because they are a good team, but they're not, I, I don't know, like, they're not wow yet, though, right. you know? And I don't know, it's, like, hard. Well, that's kind of unfortunate. Um, sorry about the music that's going on in the background, and um, I'm not sure this is going to be a copyright issue or anything like that. But um, oh, nice. Thank you, Sonia. Um, anyway, moving on to the next uh, subject. Well, actually, staying on the whole goaltending thing is to follow up with the previous goaltending question. How do you feel about backup uh, Yaroslav Polak's performance lately? And can he be the guy that can expect a heavy workload moving forward in the um, effort to rest Tukaraz? Halak uh, became the 14th net miner in franchise history to record four shutouts in his first uh, season with the club. 
was done by number 34. Defoe? Byron Defoe. Back in 1997-98 campaign where Lord Byron had... I know Six. everybody's number 34. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I, was and I was just thinking, I'm like, wow. No, because he had, he had a, a Lennon Baez jersey back. Do you still have that? Uh, no. All right. No. Well, and I, I always called it uh, Byron Defoe because that's his old number. So, um, so Tuka's playing really, really fucking good hockey right now. And really the, the back end of, of, a, of a Bruins freaking defense that's really shutting the league down in front of them lately, especially in the last 10 games. Um, concerns about rest and rest and maybe giving Halak more time? Because basically, honestly, I kind of believe that that's why he was signed here in the first place. But because Rask is one of those goaltenders that kind of needs a long time in the, in the regular season to get his, his ass in gear, where do we go from here? Now is the time to you, you lessen the load on, on Yarrow and give more on Rask, which is, in my opinion, not a great idea. Or vice versa. Thoughts? I, I definitely think Russ Tuka. Like, he, he needs it maybe not so much physically all the time, but we are coming through a crazy physical stretch of hockey they're going to be playing, you know? Yeah. But I think, honestly, I think that, like, a Jennings tandem, if they, when they play, when they're playing well, they are. Same. And that's just me. So Big fan of that. I think it, it'd be better to go top-heavy with Yarrow, like, now, clo- before playoffs, like, you know, get through, help them get through the stretch. Tuca's feeling good. I'm not about kicking him out. You know what I mean? He earns his money. He is the starting goaltender, but I do think that they're a good tandem and that I do trust Halak not so much as I would have Hadobin or another backup, but this is the first time since Thomas and Rass that we've had a good tandem set, and you might as well ride it, you know? Just, like, maybe get to the playoffs, because what if we do go deep in the playoffs? You know what I mean? That's just me. Cody? I like how they've been doing it all year. They've pretty much split the games almost even. They're at, I think, Rash's 31 games played and Hawak, what, 30? Look at you. Holy shit. Kids fucking dropping knowledge, people. <laughs> so, and I mean, it's it's they're pretty split right now. And if they keep doing what they're doing, it's flowing with the team. It, it, Rask is able to keep his game streak I feel like what Rast is doing right now and he can keep that going as long as possible is going to benefit us the most and if you keep doing what you're doing why not just keep splitting games and giving them the proper he's resting a lot more than he was last year and the years before he's playing a lot less games they're splitting them almost even yeah and, and both keep in mind though there's a lot of back to backs too because that's so stupid last bye week last year Ain't that it, it backs so things up a lot. Yeah. It does. I feel like last it year. Does. I agree no, with seriously. You to have one week off. I agree with you on that. Just have. Yeah, you Christmas listen to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. I know. I, I feel. Like, I, I definitely off. agree. Like, I agree on that too. It, it doesn't make sense to have this whole bye week and other things. It's just. But last year, the only time Hudovin played was back to backs. Or if Rask was in a slump, they'd play him over Rask. Mike, what do you think about this whole situation? I think they should pretty much do what they're doing now. Keep it almost for the rest of the season. Like a two-to-one scenario, right? 
At least, yeah. Three to one, maybe. Two to one, or you know, three to two. Something. I don't care. Something. Something close to fifty percent. Keeping both kind of mentally and physically fresh, and you know, they'll have to stay mentally sharp Absolutely. themselves. Absolutely. You know, you have to find that in yourself to do that. Bob Asenza and uh, and new goaltending coach, or I'm um, sorry, he's not a goal. He is a goaltending coach, but he's like kind of like. Uh, I, I, I'm so bad with freaking words. But kind of like an assistant. You know what I mean? But there's another word for it. Because I met him and I talked to, him, to Mike about it at development camp. But, uh, I mean, those guys are going to have their work cut out for them. You know what I mean? To get these guys mentally prepared for another a, a playoffs. Hopefully a first-round playoff series against... Whoever. <laughs> yeah, whoever, you know. But, um... Moving forward on the topics, uh, thoughts on uh, Bruins head coach Bruce Cassidy. Uh, he became the second fastest coach in club history to reach 100 wins. The 100 win plateau. Uh, how do you all see his future uh, as the team and, they, and his efforts to get this team back to the promised land? Someone else start. I will. Uh, Boom. We got Mike. I like him. We're going left. I think we're going right to left. I, he's hiding the players. He lets them know when he doesn't like what they're doing. He's a player's coach, Mike. What do you think about that? Do you think that that favors certain players, or well, like you don't want to be you you don't want to be the I'm sorry, which Sutter was the coach of the I don't know the so L.A. Many. Kings. <laughs> I know this. I know there's eight of them. I, I Bruce. No, no, no. I can't remember. I just throw a name out there. You might yeah, get it. I mean, it. oh, I can't remember, but he was so like. His interviews were like, if you don't win, you don't play. You know, he was, he was not very Mike Babcockish. Very Bill Belichick-like. If yeah. you go to New England. Yeah, exactly. To really exactly. New England. But anyway, he was this bad. But Well, Cla- their last coach, Claude, was st- stuck to him. certain players all the time. No, I know. And he would never change his system. Um, Cassidy doesn't really do that. He he lets them take more chances. He might have a couple guys he sticks with more than others, but, I mean, you have to stick with who you trust. But I, I like he's up front with everybody. He, you know, somebody's playing not playing well, they sit, you know, and they know it. So the only way you get back in the line. I'm very surprised he sat back us. $6 million on the AAV. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not very surprised on that. I feel like <laughs> he needed to. Well, why don't they do it more often? I mean, he sits one freaking game to give somebody an opportunity. Well, if you do it all the time, then they're just going to think but you're just, they don't take you seriously. You made you a good once point. Right. That game, was there not a lot of scouts in the building? Yeah, but nobody's interested in Bacchus. Exactly. I'm, so, I mean, I'm so, not, But they sat him for that reason. There was a lot of scouts in the building, so they played someone else that was going to get looked at. Right. And not just crediting a player because he's at the ultimate level of... Anywhere that I'll never fucking be But I feel like they were trying to life. shop someone. But, I mean, as a business, you got to, I mean, you, we all know Jeremy Jacobs. We've been around this freaking Bruins team long enough to know that this guy is just like. But maybe he put did a freaking piece that, of coal that in his they didn't ass, want to admit, come on a diamond. Though. You know? I mean, it's <laughs> like. A movie if you're lucky. Maybe, yeah, there, was right? some, no maybe shit. there was something that happened they didn't want to admit or whatever. And they just sat him and just said it was just sitting him to let. Was like, so game? many people want to, like, put him in, to, like, wave him. I don't the, mind him. 
but you pay him NHL money at the AHL level. And that $6 million AAV, which is called an annual average you know, value, still remains on the freaking top NHL Bruins fucking books. Can I just send David? You don't get rid of that money. Can I just send David Backus defense? Because I fit, whatever. Um, I think that not many players would go somewhere else and they've been a captain for as many years as he was and been a leader and come thing. I think last season. I think season, that's why he was here. I think last season, especially last season. He likes season, where he is. With being sick, you know, just he was ill and injured, you know, like, and he's not a young buck. But the one thing about David Backus that I think. I'm not saying it earns his six mil, but he shows the young players, and it is a generational thing, that who cares if you're going to be sore, you're going to be banged up. Sometimes you might be injured, but you still, you, he goes hard. And sometimes that's like you're looking at back as five years ago, and sometimes that's you're looking at him now. But his, his value is kind of like a char value, right? Like just the present. And like David Back is the first one on the bench screaming at the other players, doing whatever. Um... But, I mean, he's not David Backus from 10 years ago, and he's not. But in his defense, he does go hard every time, and you can't say that about a lot of players all the time. Just anyways, not just on our team, but, you know, he always lays it. Whatever his level can be that day, he lays it up there, and he does, and he makes people move with him. Backus? Um, let me ask you about... Let me throw this, this imaginary window in front of you, and you're looking at it like... What does that do to a player like Trent Frederick, who was from the St. Louis area, drafted by the Bruins in 2016, the 29th pick? And because he was drafted, the Boston Bruins got intel that the Anaheim Ducks were going to pick him. And I thought it was a solid move. You go Charlie McAvoy at 14, I believe, and then, and then Trent Frederick at 29. And they've actually played well on that third line. Frederick took center and Bacchus and, uh, was it DeBrusque one yes. night? Yeah. Was it DeBrusque? Well, they moved DeBrusque. Yeah. yeah. So, Mike, do you believe in, like, the leadership that he could bring to a player like Frederick for the next two seasons? Because I don't see him being moved. I don't see him retiring. I see him taking His every knowledge. dollar that he can take off of this contract. And, and, and run off to the sunset and, you know, do a Shane Doan. I love Shane Doan and everything, you know what I mean? Fucking solid guy. I, I feel like this is the offense of, of Chara. You know what I mean? He has that wizard knowledge that he can give out that's helping Bergeron also give out knowledge, too, to these young guys to make them Made the players. Made Heidi better player. We'll talk exactly. about that later make these plays they need to be. I feel like it's a good knowledge and it's worth it, but it's will maybe when it comes down to it, will he take less to help us out? If he likes being here that much, will he take less to stay here? Yeah, but it's not like football. You know, in the Tom Brady, NFL, and blah, 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 we'll take, we'll take pay cuts because I've already made a fucking boatload of money to win now. You know what I mean? I wish, exactly. See, I, I wish you could do like that, but they, like they can't. I mean, the player fucking union would have a fucking field well, I'm day. I'm just saying, I don't think shit. a player like Backus, yeah. I do think that he's the type of player, like, he wants to play. I think that, you know, he's played a career at St. Louis, but he found a home here, too. And for him, he knows he's in the twilight of his career. And for him, it is about passing down his knowledge. 
And he is the type of guy that will play on your third or fourth line if that's where you need him to be. Because if that's where it's going to make the team better, because he, he's not a selfish player. No, he's yeah. about I the team like Char, first. I actually feel like Char is the same kind of player that if you asked him to be the third pairing, I feel like everybody but whoever's making up the sets, you know, I'm not blaming coach or whatever, but... But it's the money Char, you're paying It's him. the money, but for me, you can earn your $7 million on the third pairing or on the third line or whatever, because you're, at this point in your career, yeah, you come up, like, you show the leadership when it gets tough, the playoffs or whatever, but they're also team players. Whatever's going to be best for the team, they might actually agree to it, you know, like, if you just asked them, you know, or you didn't just assume, like, Zidane Chara, stop trying to make him pay 42 minutes a game, okay? Like, he can't play that. He can't. No. Just don't make him do that, you know? Bacchus, third line might be good for him at this point. Like you said, giving those young kids the on the back end, like, how to move up, you know, how to grind, whatever it is. Speaking of spiritual leader, uh, what about Bergeron? Uh, um, Bruins legend Patrice Bergeron and his 1,000th game accomplishment uh, and his overall career in Boston. Currently in 100,000... Oh my god, I can't even talk. 100,000? He really is yeah, magical. Sorry. Uh, he's playing in his um, 1,005th game. Did I say that one correct? Alright. I am such a... I'm in the biz nasty of fucking trying to fucking talk over here. But um, in his NHL uh, career, St. Patrice... Or artistly known as Pat Clary from uh, former Bruins uh, resident tough guy and Florida Panthers executive Sean Thornton has 309 goals, 478 assists for 787 points in his career. What do you think about St. Patrice, Heather? Well, when we were on our little break, uh, Cody and I were actually talking about that. We were mentioning this in micro over there. Um, Patrice Bergeron is awesome. He deserves another Stanley Cup. I think he should have a heart trophy myself. And if you're not down with Patrice Bergeron, you can seriously fuck off because he's a great human being. No other players say anything bad about, like, other players respect him. The community, he's just such an all-around, just the commitment of, like, no one... They're the last generation, I think, of players that played for a city and invested and didn't look at the money necessarily or the whatever, you know, and I think that Bergeron is awesome. And I think other people, if you don't know Patrice Bergeron is awesome, need to watch him more. And it's not, it's what he does on ice, on ice and off ice, and even if he's having a bad day, he's still better than five other people around him because he's just... He's got it all. He really just, he came in so young. You know, like we talk about, like, oh, he's been playing this long. He's 34. Well, yeah, because he's been playing since he was knee high. That Bergeron on a 1,000 video yeah. was unbelievable. Did you watch yeah. that? I don't think I had a I'll chance send, to see I'll that. send you the link. Remember when he couldn't really speak English very well? I know. Well? It was like, like the interview. I was telling him to Raycroft. You ready to go to the game? Oh, I remember, <laughs> I remember when he first... They you ever have a license? Him, what was it, 97? Yeah. yeah. Oh, something like that. It was that. him and Raycroft were in their first commercial together, driving a Zamboni yeah. down yeah. the streets of Boston, yeah. and they were both really young. And the Zakem Bridge wasn't even yeah. done yet. Yeah. It wasn't even done yet. And actually, shout out to my boy, uh, I his first year was Matt. 0304. Yeah. yeah. Shout out okay. to my boy, Matt. It was the wrong year. Uh, he's yep. actually a member here at the Lafayette but Club. But it was with Raycroft, right? He actually worked on it. Yeah, it was with uh, Raycroft. Zakem Bridge. Yeah. Show me pictures. Of yeah. like going up there and the rebar and so on. It's fucking That's amazing. Uh, yeah, no, I don't awesome. even like driving over. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Hold the next. 
Yeah. I, uh, I never got. Other people like Bergeron, too. Give him you a know, chance. No, I like a chance to speak about Bergeron. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Cody. My bad. Well, he might be your your hero, right? It's the whiskey talking. In a way, he's kind of, he's in a way kind of like the iconic guy I grew up watching. Like, 03, 04, he started, I think I was sixth, seventh grade. And just seeing what he's doing now is unreal. To see how him to have his family out there for the ceremony is really what did it for me. Like, that just shows what type of person he is. He actually truly cares and I don't think he would still be here with us if he didn't care about the city of Boston. Oh, yeah. It's unreal what he's done for us and how much leadership and just little things he does for the city. He actually truly cares about the people of New England. Yep. It's nice to see that. I'm really sorry about fucking forgetting about you, brother. My bad. Um, but anyway, moving on to another subject. Uh, what are your thoughts on the future talent of the Bruins Club? Are you happy with the uh, insertion into the lineup and they in their production thus far, uh, i.e. players like Trent Frederick, JFK, Jeremy Lawson, uh, Peter Solarek, and potential first game for recent recalled forward Carson Kuhlman, who could get his first game tonight. Uh, he Carson Kuhlman is a former NCAA national championship with... Oh, shit. I don't have my notes with me, but... And I didn't write it down on my iPad, but uh, I think it's Minnesota. The Gophers? Yep. Did they win the national championship? I know he won. How... Uh, he was captain of the How long team. ago? Last year. Last season. Last spring. Because uh, Coleman's been down in Providence for the full season. I want to say... Wasn't it someone like... He had two goals uh, before he got the recall. And then he was on a, a, uh, a really five-game pointless streak. What, do you sound one over there? No, I said I don't know. I can't remember. You'd think I'd remember. Oh, I'm sorry. Just thought you might know. No, I should know. That's why I'm saying it. <laughs> so. well, you were dropping skills. 2018? <laughs> Anyway. Anyways, as for the prospects and the young players, I are you like happy to say, with their with their insertions into the lineup, um, whether it be injury like, or uh, a gift saying thank you? You you have a couple games to prove yourself, and let's see what happens. I'm a hit or miss person. I really am. Like honestly, like I'm over JFK. Like I mean, maybe he might be fabulous, but I don't. I, I think that player development. What do you think about JFK's trade value too? Well, I think this is the problem: is that because some of the pro- we have some young players, prospects slash might be up on the big squad, that have a lot of value, not just because they're seen, but because even when they're going, you know, whatever. Then we have the some that have been up and have not looked so hot when they were up, showing that maybe their value isn't that high because they're not transitioning as well, yeah? We got breaking news. Cody, go ahead. I can't read that. I'm fucking old. Minnesota Duluth beat off Notre Dame last year for the national title. Boom. That's not breaking news. That was actually a year old. Like, Peter Solarek's looked all right the last couple. You know, he's up there. I think he's going to be all right. Maybe he's not ready for the big squad yet, but I think, you know, he's transitioning better than some of the other ones that, you know, there but uh their trade value that's a hard thing though like have they been seen enough or when they've been up on the big club have they looked good enough like i think it's actually hurt some of their trades it's all going to count in in an evaluation when you talk of trades yeah yeah like i think it's actually hurt some of them um i'm all for giving someone a chance and i mean we've had 
the only let's be honest the only reason that some of these kids have even been up is because of the injury it's not so much as a thank you it's riddled riddled this freaking Bruins yeah. team has been riddled the past couple years, years to start yeah. the year. <laughs> year it's like oh my god you guys are you not conditioning if yourself very well? If we don't make well, the playoffs, but it will be because of injuries. Oh, because man. six defensemen went oh, down right before the play, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't even... Oh, I don't, it's hard to say. What's the number of freaking like defensemen that they've actually used throughout the season? It was like a record number. Well, we have seven to start. Was it like 16 defensemen or something like that that they've actually seen? Yeah. It's Spot not a duty. cast. <laughs> I mean, the I amount know. of prospects they use on defense compared to offense is unreal. Yeah, our defense is always hurt. There's always someone. We, I don't, and I think that's part of the problem overall with the team. How like they're a good team and they're playing well, but they could play better if we actually like. It took until December for us to have a healthy team enough to gel. Like the actual who you would have thought were the starters to all be on the ice at the same time, all season. There's someone coming up or down. I don't know. I just I think it's hard to say. I think some of them still need to develop. You got to take time. Could take three. You know. With seeing some of them, I'm I'm like kind of over though. Like I'm not gonna lie. Like JFK could go tomorrow in a trade deal, and I'd be like. Bye. Seeing everything you post about Providence, I've been very happy happy seeing what they do. It's they're producing at the AHL level. They're the same way though. They like start off so freaking bad. And then all of a sudden, the mid mid part of the season, they're like on fire. But you know? it's you. It takes time. You. It takes time to gel with a team. Oh, especially one that has been ripped. Yes. Like you, you have players all coming the go injuries all the at the time. NHL level. Yeah. Affect that middle. The 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 top minor pro affiliate of the Boston Bruins, the Providence Bruins, to the American Hockey League, produce constantly ripped. That you cannot create any chemistry to produce at the no, HL level. No out. way. There's too much in and out, and it's I feel sometimes like there's different guys on different yeah. nights. So there's you know like, there's no set like partners. You don't know on from one game to the next. And, and you know what's even worse is all these games are any Friday, Saturday, and Sunday schedule to to produce at the HL that level. Is, that is I feel th- like it's way harder to win championships here because you have players coming and go. I used to go up to Manchester Monarchs yep. all the time. I was a season ticket holder there for one season. Because the amount of players... We, we went. The well, amount we of did. players I Not would my see seat, but we did go. from L.A. playing in New England was unreal. Because they were injured and they're coming back off injury and they're doing their HL stand. And it's like, it was unbelievable. I could see so many NHL players play against each other and pay cheap money for it. I loved it. That can be said for any team, though. I think that's part of the problem with the upper team is that people are always moving in and out, right? And then you've got the people developing below them that are going up and down, up and down, you know? It's like we're at a weird conundrum where we're bottlenecking prospects. We don't have enough spots for everyone to get enough real play going on to necessarily develop their skills as they should. And that's not just because people are plugged in like the backus of the world. It's just that there's too many left of left shots or whatever. There's too many right shots or whatever it is. Too many rights. Too, yeah, definitely. Yeah, lefties too, are definitely, definitely too left many out. We have had like a Come left from shot a lefty. issue for a while, right? But right, like how many wingers does one team need? So at some point though, like you said, I'm a like Mike was saying earlier, that you have to have a sense of also uh, like getting done. I do play hockey, at some well, point, Sweeney or whoever's going to have to look at these young kids and be like, all right, Whoever's being, whoever's looking the best in the next three months are the ones that are staying, and the rest of you, we're gonna figure out where you go from here. You know, so 
Hey, the next topic I want to jump on. And I'm. If, did I miss anybody? Did I miss? No. All right. I'm just not making a bad habit of that. Um, where do you guys stand on toughness in the sport? Seemingly going in the direction away from it. Uh, more or less, this team uh, needs a player that. More or less, does this team need that intimidation guy from that low minute bench spot, roster spot, from a guy that's just gonna, if you do hit us, we're gonna come after you? Because I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't, and I know we're transitioning away from that in this sport, but I'll tell you something right now. I listen to a lot of hockey podcasts and I read a lot of articles out of Edmonton. And, like, a player like Milan Lucic is not doing a fucking thing right now to, like, cover fucking Conor McDavid, the fucking face of the NHL. So, more or less, I'm just kind of, like, pointing out that we don't fucking need it on this team. If you can find players that have the skill, the speed, stamina, and the and the willing to throw the mitts, you go after those guys, you draft those guys develop those guys all complete players there's no passengers on this team I do not want to see a guy that's going to play three fucking minutes a night on that bench I think though that it's the way you look at it right so like when we were younger right and when you started watching hockey toughness meant there were goons on the ice that literally were not skilled hockey players that's job was to be out there to kick their ass right kick someone's ass to stick up for their team cause a fight whatever or bench bro. Right. We've seen it. But I'm gonna beat you with my like fucking shoe, Mike. Everything else in the game has changed. The gonna, idea of toughness. I'm gonna has call Marty over here. I absolutely think part of fundamentals of hockey is toughness, right? So maybe the person on the team that's defending their teammates isn't always getting into a fight, isn't spending stupid minutes in the penalty, but whatever, just to be a jackass. But I still think that you need to have someone who will stand up and Adam McQuaid rest in peace as a Bruin, you know what I mean? But maybe not the most skilled defenseman you're going to have, but I think he kind of had that, right? Like, he still could be tough without necessarily having to end up in the box, you know? Or right. Even Sean Thornton, right, who was our last kind of, like, fighter guy, and right? I, I, but I even appreciate Sean, Sean I love him, too. He's a good example. I did love like, him, too, yeah. He didn't couldn't get away with to, stuff with him. He didn't right. have to always be in a physical fight. I'll let you pick the arm. I'm going to fucking beat the shit out of you. I love that. It's about putting something against the board. It's about letting somebody know you touch them again. I'm going to beat you, right? Right. Like, and so I do think that one thing like you, like part of hockey's appeal is it's a rough and tough and kind of tumble sport. No, I don't think that we need the goddamn Sean Avery's of the world on the ice. Fucking who wants a player like that, right? But I do think that we could still use for some toughness, and especially in a town like Boston or Philly or whatever. We talked about this. It's kind of the essence of the city and the whatever is kind of this rough and tumble kind of blue collar, like, oh, you just talk to my friend that way? Like, what's going to happen, right? But it doesn't have to be stupid, like, always an actual physical fight. It's just a matter of standing up and taking notice. Like, you're not going to get your ass kicked this time, but you might get your ass kicked, so we're just letting you know. The days of the actual goon are gone anyways. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But you can be tough, just nice, solid, tough players who can score and stick out for themselves is, yeah. you know, what every team would love to have. Mm-hmm. A lot of them can't do both, but you know. But you understand you know, what I'm saying? The Cam Neelys of the world, yeah. Keith Kachuk, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly, yeah. exactly. The David so Mackis I feel like, world, like, and by the way, now that you said Keith Kachuk, I have to tell you something. Uh oh. Trent Frederick 
yes. is the lost yes. Keith Kachuk That's what I was son. just about to say. I'm telling you, he's like the Lindbergh baby. Oh, yeah? I'm dead serious. Literally, no, literally. I'm dead what serious. He did, what Frederick did the other night is, like, what I feel like the NHL's turned into. Yes, you can throw, but you can score. Not just that. You're not afraid to throw a body around here or there. And by it's the way, shout out to Derek Del Vecchio. I had a freaking... Not... It wasn't... He has a difference of opinion. And we had a difference of opinion. That's what I should say. And I said that I think Frederick was up to showcase... You know what I mean? Because it is trade deadline. It's subject. It's subject. The amount of scouts that were in the building I was know, unreal. I know. It was unreal. St. Louis had four, I believe. You you think posted Jimmy Murphy the list. Tweeted me a freaking picture. You and posted just said, the list and the amount of scouts. You know, I retweeted it. I retweeted it. It was unreal, and I'm like, that. It it makes sense, right? Or I said, if he's not going to be traded, he'd probably end up benefiting better. Yes, going down because his his minutes to me at minutes. the NHL level seven minutes to me is not enough to develop. Guess I what? get it. You're I still it. playing against older like players. That's what I'm saying. Yep, Seventeen to eighteen minutes down there is the fucking way to be. Not that's how you properly develop a fucking player. Like we were just saying earlier, like it's all about. Being young and playing against older players. Guess what? You're that young. You're playing yeah. against older players. You're not playing in juniors anymore. You're not playing no. in NCAA hockey. No. We're all You're in a group playing. Exactly. It's a huge fucking range. You could be playing against freaking 30. Yeah. Nine and when you get to the fucking AHL, you could play and 16 tw- minutes against a fucking hot ass like Chris Breen. Mm. That fucking guy is like 6'7". He's like Chara down yes. there. Yes. But it's, it's like you have 40... You there can, is. In there the NHL, you can have 40-year-olds down there yeah, making exactly. money and playing against you. You're not playing against these right. 18 to 21-year-olds anymore. It's definitely a big change, and I feel like that's important to play down there. There's a reason, like, uh, NFL players don't play until after college. And Just, like, like, as it comes to, like, body size. Well, and, like you said, fucking, like, you can see the they, difference. If their lifespan's, like, fucking three years. That's what that they say. It doesn't seem like the average it seems like it's longer than that. I feel like oh, not just that. The amount of training they do nowadays is well, way more than they used money to do. Too, you know what when I mean? you guys were yeah. growing up yeah. and the amount of training they're doing now, you see so many players now with ACL injuries. Yeah. Take <laughs> seven pounds of pressure to tear your ACL. Oh, shit. And you're training all season long for the football season. Yeah. You're bound to get injured. Well, and they do, like, top-heavy training, which is the worst. Like, you need to be conditioning all year round. You're, you're asking for sh- And I heard that on your last podcast, too, about the conditioning thing. I had said to you, thing, like, this goes for any kind of sport. You can't just, like, all of a sudden in July, top train for six weeks and expect people are going to be actually conditioned and not hurt themselves. It's got to be an ongoing stint of conditioning. Hey, um... Uh, this one's weird for me because it's it's just I don't know maybe I'm fucking old and just kind of like beep, you know beep. yeah <laughs> the uh, you know the old man yelling at a fucking cloud in the sky but uh, what are your thoughts about the recent news about tracking technology in the NHL you on know, the puck yeah on the puck and on the jersey like when you break the barrier of the fucking boards. 
it starts a time of how much you're ex- exactly on the ice. Because the TOI numbers on like NHL.com and so on, they're not fucking accurate. Like no. so, all right, so so give or take, fucking Daniel Chara plays twenty five fucking minutes of a game. Okay, how accurate is that? I mean, is there twenty five people? I'm sorry. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are there twenty people on a fucking NHL roster on game day that are out there going? I'm timing. This is my timing sound. You know? And then, oh, he's off the ice. I hate analytics. I think it's... Uh, well, nowadays... No, but, no, but look at, no, look at what it's going to do. I think it's like... No, but look what it's going to do, it's, though. It's a hard... Hold on. I feel like... It's a hard thing, because it's developmentally or, like, pacing players... I'll get to... Mike, things, I'll get to that in a minute. That It's a good benefit there, but at the same time, I feel like it's going to just fall into another stupid thing of, like, overanalyzing everything instead of just... Gambling. I feel like nowadays... Gambling. It's hard. The amount of technology they have and everything and the amount of people they can pay and whatnot feel like after the game's over they're paying people to literally watch the tapes and see how much time on ice and keeping track of it for that information how about this one how about this one gambling the nhl signed a deal with mgm you guys all know how huge mgm is they want to get involved in sports gambling big time but they not Exactly, because it's, it's funny, fucking they huge. Don't, they pretend like they want to grow the sport. But it's there's so much. Hold on, but they have three. Yeah, but you know what? I'm sorry. Do the gambling? Like if you no. want to do that, first get more Saturday day games. Right like, before football. So and I get and I get what, I get what you're saying, Heather. I really freaking do. But I also tell you that the NHL, when it comes down to negotiating for new CBA, yeah. is always crying bitch. Saying we're not making any money, but if you look, if you look at all these freaking NHL deals with like big corporate freaking TV, yeah, come on, Vegas alone, they got they're making plenty of money. It's the the escrow, it's the freaking escrow that they want to freaking deal with. The amount of things you could bet on for hockey is unreal. Yeah, the amount of shots one team has, and the 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 amount of penalties one team has. Seriously, the ice was broken when Vegas came into the league. Yes. Now betting is and official. Yeah. Part of yeah. It's all official. It's unreal. Now football's going to be there and so on. I guarantee yeah. all four fucking leagues will be represented in Vegas very soon. There's unreal. Yeah. The amount the of things you could bet on. guess what? The fucking NHL fucking started that trend. NHL. The amount of things you could start, you could bet on <laughs> is unreal. Penalty minutes. How many penalties are in a game? How many oh, fights? Yeah. It's how many goals? How many goals? It's unreal what you could exactly. bet against. How, how many too many men on the ice penalties? Yeah. How many offsides have? are there going to be? How many icings are there going to be? How it, many whiskeys have I had today? It's stupid. <laughs> you could bet I, on. I don't watch like the, all that. I'm not a game. I mean, nah. I've never game. Me neither. But, like, but I, I just Christ. think it's going to open up windows for a lot of things like problems down the road. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and like Mike, I'm going to go back to what you whispered a little bit and just said that it's going to c- create attention away from the game. Because now, now, with this technology and a chip in their freaking jersey, not on their helmet because helmets are knocked off all the time, but, but a chip in their jersey can state, like, Daniel Chara, plus or minus, he plays 23 fucking minutes a game. And you live bet that shit sitting at the arena. So now you've... Then fine. As, as business people... 
you bought a fucking hundred and sixty dollar ticket. Then, like you said, are you actually gonna sit there and fucking pay attention to the game if you're a gambler? Yeah, not that game. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't make that bet on a game I had to go to and watch. But Some people do. A lot of people do. Some people will have that like at the. I mean. Just sit there at the game on their phone. Oh, they'll do it on multiple yeah, games. No, I they'll do that. it on multiple games. It's the worst part. Who scored? It's bad enough that you spend $160 in a Lowe's ticket and, and your face is buried in the fucking phone. <laughs> yeah. I can't stand yeah. that. Hey, uh, I'd rather... Oh, play in solitaire? I'd rather... Oh, my God. I'd rather... Why are like you that. here? Exactly. Why Where did you, you wasted hold that hold fucking ticket for somebody's value. Yeah, exactly. You sat in club the other night, right? Oh, yeah, baby. I'd rather... Shout out to Mike Mack. I'd and uh, Alan Hood, Julio Rivera, Nate, um, Nate Dog, uh, <laughs> and I think myself. That's five, right? Yep. Yes. My hands are my comes through so again. I'd rather look for seats <laughs> in the club section throughout the year for a reasonable price than spend unrealistic money on large seats because of. Oh my God, the amenities. Club, you get sh- oh. you have waitresses come Mike. up to you, not just that. You go if into you, a section, you the go beer walk in is the, brought the, the to alley, you, like the hallway, uh, and that's you're good for an old guy. You don't sit down. The only thing you have to do is get up. And you take don't a piss. have to I, I deal with that's lines. It. I'm not unfortunately that's a lot. That's two hundred eighty dollars a ticket. Really, we get hooked up for like 60, 70, 80 bucks sometimes. It's a good time. You can and I've gone. Actually, all the games that I've gone, you just fucking look online and you'll find. I went to the St. Louis game with the guy, and I went to the Chicago game on Tuesday this past week. North Division beatdown. It's yeah. unreal. They're, un- they're amazing seats. That's right. the serv- it's unreal. You don't come to TD Garden and expect anything fucking and less. And the, the view, <laughs> it, you see everything. Can I make a general comment? Like, we're talking about the What are you NHL, talking about? Whether they're making... I got the on. agenda. NHL, they make, they make money whether they pretend like they do or not. And one of the things that annoys me is that as a league, I don't... I don't, I don't want to say this to sound bad, but... It's too bad. I feel like it's all about this the owners. It's gonna be awful radio. All anyway. about the owners. Yeah, it's gonna be fucking ridiculously horrible. That's I know the power I mean, of editing. Like, I'm telling you. But meaning like, <laughs> I don't feel like they in, like the other big sports like the basketball, football. Part of the reason they're national quote unquote sports is because they invest in the fan base yeah. too. The NHL does not do that. The NHL and hockey's kind of a sport where it's kind of mm. regional. Yeah, they had to grow it in some places like Dallas or even. Some places in Florida is blown up with the team as they've expanded. I get that. I do not ever expect you hockey to blow up in Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah, I'm going to give you guys the range. Let's take a piss. Like, I don't feel like they invest back in the fan base. (laughs) They don't sell their players enough. I feel like it's all about the owners are making the money, but we want to bitch about if the players are making money. And the fans really, I mean, the fans are going to show up. You're either a hockey fan or you're not, you know. Yep. So they don't really do For enough sure. to grow the business that way. So they're going to grow it other stupid ways, like betting. Like, now we're going to have 9 million ways to bet on a hockey game. But those exactly. people still aren't going to go buy tickets. In the meantime, you and I, you know, we all have to pay 160 bucks a ticket to get in the garden. Like, I have four people in my family. If I want to bring my kids to a Bruins game and bring my husband, that's like a th- that's almost a rent payment. You know, it's unreal. Like, that's the amount not of money okay. you have to pay for a ticket, it's even just buying two tickets. A you lot of times, s- I'll go by myself. And you have just to set up for months ahead of time. Very last minute because yeah. the last minute deals are the best. And yeah. it's like, whatever, I'll just go in and watch the game. I'd rather see the game in person than watching it at home. Yeah. 
Games are fun to watch in person, obviously. But I don't know. I'm just, I myself, I'm not a person to gamble on particular yeah, sports and especially ruin the sport I'm watching either. Me know? neither. Although why Mark's not here, can I just share a story about it in 2008? We didn't look like we were going to make the playoffs, and I told him we were going to make the playoffs, and we made a little bet that if I won and we made the playoffs, he would have to wear Montreal Canadian stuff, which he reneged on. I just want everyone to know this is more for when he's editing. He'll be like, and I was right, and we left. Nothing happened. We got eliminated in the first round, but Mark owes me Montreal Canadiens gear, so feel free to bring that up to him at any point, people in the podcast universe. <laughs> Maybe I will. No, I really did. And I was going to have, he was going to get me a Canadian scarf because I always, this is my game day scarf. I always wear this every regular season. Shh, don't tell him I told you. It <laughs> and we'll have, to, we'll have to change the subject we now. <laughs> I got I to check this. It might be my brother. Sorry, man. All right. Um... You got to go? Uh, he's just saying he's heading this way, so I've got probably another 15, 20 minutes left. Awesome. Um, well, we have plenty of time, too. Well, actually, I just wanted to probably just take this up. And, well, it's up to you. I mean, if you... We can also freaking go. You can also leave anytime you want, you know, or we can keep going, or... Do you, exactly. doesn't matter to me. But When uh, we get rid of Heather, we're going to really talk about hockey. <laughs> No, Heather, you brought a freaking a, a great element kidding. to the to the. I'm kidding. To the panel, and I'd love to I have just, you on I again. I would stay forever, but I kind of got to go party for my sister. So. Right. Shout out to. Um, Marsha. Marsha again. Sorry. <laughs> You're awesome. Love you, Marsha. Um. If oh, they get divorced, uh, just for a record, if one thing I really want to cover. One thing I really want to cover before you leave. Thanks, Court. Love you. Um, is special teams you, moving Courtney. forward? Um. Definitely got to. All right. Definitely got to freaking tighten up on. I call go first. On um, the PK. Yeah. No, no. On the power play. All right. We're giving up shorthanded goals. All right. This is where I'm going to go first. I think last night with the DeBrusco and uh, crew stepping up on the wing there after winning the faceoff and passing over the Krejci. I feel like he, on the power play, should be, I feel like power plays Krug should be playing forward. You put that other forward, like Krejci, back, you have Bergeron at center, passer out there, or Marshan or whatever, and then you have a defensive defenseman out there. Krug on Run forward. 11 forwards, 7 defensemen. Krug on forward on that power play. He's just I like, like Bergeron. Forward. He, that would uh, make a lot of sense because... He's a pass-forward guy like down. Bergeron. Well, looking at the panel right now, are we all kind of in an agreement that that might not be a bad idea for certain situations? Yes. Exactly. Because he's the kind of guy you want back. He can actually skate back and play defense when they break out the other way. If there's a turnover, right... That's not, and plus he's a would make a good forward anyways. It's another exactly. exactly. I get that we can't move him to forward. Thank for, you very much, forever, But let's face it, Tori Krug is more suited to be a forward than a defenseman in many ways. I think he's good defensive minded, but again, he's a little guy. 
I but think, he plays that left I think fucking wing be, role right. very well. It's unreal. So and it's, I, I do think, though, on the power... First of all, he's the seen quarterback of the power play. Whether he's on the blue line or he's before. whatever, he is, he's what makes that big click. He makes the top line look good on the... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it all clicks together. This but is, I absolutely do think that on the power play, move him to be the third forward. Like, I swear to God, in my it. time, in my time, somebody please research it. And if you get the freaking information, at me. But... I swear to God, Tory Krug did play forward at least one game. I saw it. I know I saw it. Not just that, but I do not if you look that, at the stats for the Bruins, right. I'm pretty sure Tory Krug's within the top. You can't at me. Hold on. Tor- I'm pretty sure if you look at all the Bruins' stats for points or whatnot, Tory Krug's in the top ten Absolutely. for players, and he's the only defenseman he's that's an in. Monster. True, true fact. He's, and he's a power play fucking point fucking producer. It's but he's making assists. He's he's a defensive forward, yeah. but an offensive defenseman, and that's how I played my whole career. I always got moved back and forth my whole life between forward and defense, depending on what team we had and where I fit in. I was either a forward. Right. Or else defense. Krug was actually like number six or seven last year overall for NHL defense. Yeah. The only people yeah. ahead of him are all exactly. the, the big guys. Hey, don't him. get on my Tory Krug train. I don't now, care. No, no, I'm oh, just shut kidding. up. I don't care. Come on. No, no, no. He's, I, I'm always like, I'm the Tory Krug defense. But he really was. He was like another number seven. Bergeron. Like you got to be Carlson and people like that to be ahead of him. For our f- offense. And everyone's on Bergeron's train. Why not have another guy like that either on your second or third line? No, I, I get you. I do get it. I do get yeah. it. No, he's he really is like born that in the power wrong play goal. Position. Yeah, Krejci <laughs> made the move and dinked the goalie, but and he lost the puck. Doesn't yeah. matter. That was a nice fucking play for DeBrus to score on on that power play. Right. Yeah. Thank he's, you, Sonia. What yeah. makes Krug though? What makes him crazy? It's just like how he just. Just pitch it, pitch it. But the other thing, back and forth. Yeah, she. He should maybe shoot a little more than he does. He passes, you know, thing. But he just he can pitch the puck anywhere. Like just like not looking. Bergeron. I have a feeling Bergeron will be by the net in two seconds. You know what I mean? He just. Right. He that's knows, the thing. Krug and, and Krejci think pass way. first and look yeah. at their their assist this well, year. How about well we'll segue right into this one. Uh, do you guys all agree with the recent hate for Bruins freaking veteran forward? David Krejci. Does, nope. a player that, does a player like that always have to live up to his $7 million contract? 32-year-old who's currently playing in his 12th season has 14 goals, 33 assists, 44, 47 points. In, uh, I'm terrible at reading this shit. You suck. I know, it's terrible. <laughs> he has 60, 617 points in 827 career games. Mike, go. Switch in the directions. So. Do I think it's too harsh on him? Yeah. Uh, do you think that, in general maybe? Do you I think? Do you think he should be like a hundred point player every year because he makes seven million dollars? No. Or is that like it's not his fault? And when you flip it around, it's not his fault he gets that. Do you think that freaking Tukarash should win Vizinas every year in Stanley Cups because he makes seven million dollars? See, that's a tough thing. You know, once you get paid that contract, you, you know, your expectations are a lot higher. Oh, and no, I, I get it. you're expecting to be a lot it. more consistent. I do get it. 
And that's the, that's kind of take that on yourself when you sign that contract. Krejci's numbers aren't so fucking bad, they're though. They're not that bad. They're actually, if you really look at them, they're really good. Unless he was injured. I'm not into the whole Corsi and, like, like, analytics of the game. I am so, I like David Krejci. I think he's good. There's a reason he's the, you know, like, let's face it, 10 years ago, they're kind of building the team to have, like, Bergeron, Savard, Krejci. They had it setting up, and then things happen, you know, from that. My thing with Krejci is this. This is what bothers me about David Krejci. I don't care how much someone's getting paid as long as they're doing their job. And you do have a different expectation depending on your amount of money. You know, like with Tori, once he was making 5'5 five, five or whatever, it's like he's not all of a sudden a 230-pound fucking, you know, six foot four person. He's not. Krejci, what bothers me is there seems to be more excuses when David Krejci isn't producing because overall his numbers, and let's face it, once playoffs start, like he's the man you want in there. Like he's, it's everybody else on his line, right? Right, but it's always every. Did, I think I've texted this to you. When can we start talking about where we need to find a center right. for Dabrowski and well, Heinen instead no, of finding is... the wingers for Krejci? And that's the ongoing problem is that you're a great center, but if how many, uh, how many, let, let's have someone look up the statistic. How many wingers have played with David Krejci? Oh, because he's good. He's consistent. Jeez. He always Hold is. Except when he's injured. This is my right. point. But this like, is... maybe you should be the third line. This goes to I don't care how much you make. Sometimes your ass needs to be on the third line for a little bit instead of Jake Bruss going down. How about we move? Yeah. Sometimes up? some fucking asshole GM just right. gives you that contract. Just do that. I.e. Peter Shirley. Well, but this Peter Shirley sucks and can like burn in GM hell for all I care. But. I just, that's my thing, is that, like, that's what bothers me. I don't think it's David Krejci's excuse. I feel like as an organization, it's our excuse. Like, oh, well, you know, Nash got hurt, so it's Nash's fault. Well, Krejci was struggling before Nash. That's why we got Nash. That's just me. I feel like he gets overlooked because a lot of times he's the one in our defensive zone corners making that first pass to our wingers. And it's like he's really that first guy making the play out of the zone where we end up scoring. People overlook where the puck starts from and where it's going. Yeah. You only get one and two and six. Certainly on the power play, it starts from the half wall in. It's like you you got to realize where the puck started from and where it's going. Right. And not going to lie, a lot of times he's the one in the corners helping the defenseman out, getting it to your wingman yep. or to the guy swooping through the center to get the puck, it's like he's the one who's starting the play. Yep. I feel like he's very overlooked. He, I've so I'm was a huge fan. back in the day. Exactly, like I'm, that. my two favorite players. He played that same way. Shout out Max. Hey, <laughs> besides Bergeron, Savard and Krejci are my three favorite. All time Bruins up the middle. Bruins, like up the from, middle. Yes, like from that Savard. Even Horn, I can relate a lot of Horn because a lot of injuries he had, I've had too. The concussion and all that. It's even with Savard, the concussions he had, it's it's unreal. I think you make a good point though about people not watching what people do off the play. Yeah. Like we have, like some of the prospects, right? So yep. like they might not be coming to fruition. Get AHL TV. Scoring or whatever. To God. Listen. But the things they're doing behind the play Selfish and stuff, that's trouble. just as important as scoring 30 goals. Like, who cares? Like, you know, I, and you can win a Stanley Cup with a bunch of mediocre people if they're just playing right. That's I, true. That's why but I feel Krejci, like I do agree with you. is I on defense because he, he starts the play and he gets the puck out of the zone. Yep. But also, he has wheels to get the puck out of the zone if we need it. And that's why he's a defenseman. But he's offensively, he's more 
an offensive player than he is defense. What's been going on with Danton Heinen? Um, he, as of late, he's been playing really well, uh, especially getting a lot of spark from being up on that top line when he had the opportunity with the uh, St. Patrice guy. Um, he's got four goals, three assists, seven points in his last eight games. Under a point-per-game player. Are you guys at all happy with Pasternak's freaking movement up and down from the first line? I mean, what does that do? Does that ultimately look at a serious point for that secondary scoring that they're constantly fucking going to the uh, fountain for? I don't think it's secondary scoring if the guy from the, the top, top line? line moves to the second line. Yeah. That's not yeah. secondary scoring. That's I think just the guy from the top moves whatever. to the second line. No, no I know, but I, I know, but Heinen's addition at the top line makes them makes them deeper. Yeah. Their other lines deeper. I like what uh, fine with that's what you need. You can shut down one line, especially in the playoffs. They try to shut down the top line. So having more depth is fine with me. You know, you can always change it up. Yeah. No, that's a good point because, I mean, Heinen at the top line might be like an early audition for that fucking, like, second line in the playoffs when you need that fucking secondary It is a good secondary audition. Yeah, it is. Depth. Sorry. Can't speak right now. I'm not saying that he doesn't. Like, Pasternak plays, he's still Pasternak whether he's on the first or second line. I don't think it necessarily does make it a deeper team. I feel like you're still moving the five people who are doing things around in the same spots. You know what I mean? As opposed to, I don't know, maybe... I, again, I th- feel like that's all just to help create a situation where Krejci's line looks better. And again, not because I love David Krejci. I think he has good numbers and he does more. I think because he makes so much, he's like two, yeah. right? People just get down on him when they don't... You're not... He's not Patrice Bergeron. People going to hate, man. Krejci. He's People going to hate. I just don't know. I, I don't... I just don't like the inconsistency of us always moving people around, trying to figure out where everyone's going to actually work out and fit. And I get you got to do that a little bit, but, like, it's February, people. Get off your asses. <laughs> and even with injuries, like, some of this should have been worked out come November. Like, yeah. you know, that's just me. I, I don't love, think it hurts or helps Pasternak either way or the team. I think it's just I love him moving down. I absolutely love it. I feel I'm like a fan, it, too. I feel like it helps I do out. like the way fucking him and DeBrusque work. I, that's my... Him, DeBrusque. Side the puck. Yeah. I mean, going through the neutral zone, Krejci slows the play down. Yes. For those two very offensive and speed-minded fucking Not just uh, that, but it doesn't matter. He can slow the play going into the offensive zone and set one of those guys up for a one-timer. Hey, I just want to say goodbye to a good friend, Heather. Heather, come here. Give me a hug. Thank you, Heather. I freaking love you. Thank you. I'll chat with you guys anytime. Oh, man, that was awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Heather. I really appreciate that. And we will definitely appropriately plan another show that no, we have time. No, seriously. And even if you want to, like, get together over the summer and hang out on the deck, I'll set this whole fucking whole thing up, and we can do it there, too. So. Let's do it. All right, man. All right, boys. Love you. Have a good one. Bye. Thank Take you. Take care. Thanks again, Heather, for coming on. All right. And uh, I think that's probably going to end up. Yeah. My boy Mike over here is going to get out of here, too. So, all right, listen, why don't we just end this right now? Uh, I want to just...
scroll down here on my iPad and uh, just say that, you know, thanks to the members of the Lafayette Club for uh, having us. It's, it's been freaking awesome. It was a great time. And, it was a lot um, of fun. Uh, the Riverwalk Bowling Alley. Guys come down here, support those guys too. Um, bartender Sonia, thank you so much for like, Sonia. That's awesome. Uh, we knew, I need a bartender now in my <laughs> home studio in office, uh, which we, we would require a brand new Bruins freaking refrigerator. Uh, One and, and, and I got to thank Heather. She just left. Uh, Cody, brother, thank you so much, man. That was fucking awesome. I appreciate everything. That thank you very much. Fun. Hey, don't get any crumbs. Don't spit any crumbs on my freaking mic, man. Don't worry, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Mike. Mike Cedar. Thank you so much. And oh, I said your last welcome. name. Thank I'm you for sorry. having me. But um, I appreciate that. Last minute, uh, sit down and definitely do this again, man. I really appreciate that. Did you have fun? I did. I had a blast. Cole, did you have fun? I did. Maybe Good. I'll uh, skate with you again on three on three. Yeah, are you sure? Yeah. I got the mad skills, right, for a big fat we did. guy. Oh, yeah, you did. I got the go- Hey, I got. I think I got the goal of the tournament. Hey, that was unbelievable. I can say I assisted you. Yeah, I know, right? It was a pop up. It was a can of corn, and it then, was boom! unreal. <laughs> boom! It was, but, no, um, we batted out of the air. It was unreal. Everybody, thank you very much for freaking listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for the support. Uh, please go to SeatGiant.com and use uh, promo code. BNGP to save yourself a little money on any freaking ticket that you need. If you're going to see a show at the Hampton Beach Casino to TD Garden or a Bruins game, a, a freaking Providence Bruins game, college kids, college prospects that the Bruins have, have rights to, whatever, anything, go to freaking SeatGiant.com, do a freaking search, put in promo code. BNGP. Save yourself a little fucking money, man. Support the show. Uh, thank you, everybody. Lafayette Club, Riverwalk Bowling Alley, all these fucking great people tonight. And uh, say goodbye. Thanks for having me. Thank, thank you. you very much. Have a great night. Yeah, you guys are amazing, man. Thank you so much for thank the time. Thank you for having us. We will definitely do it again. Um, and thanks for listening. Thank you, Sonia. Yeah, thanks, Sonia. <laughs> Appreciate it. Peace out. <laughs>